0: That is now how the episode is starting.
1: Yeah. You're
0: welcome.
2: We are recording. You're listening to Deeper Magic. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome to the Deeper Magic. I am Peter, and this is Anna. Say hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. (laughs) Nice to see you again. This is episode two of 2023, and it's also episode three Of this uh, ongoing series we've been doing on the Garden of Eden, and we're not trying to teach everybody uh, all of the concepts involved in the Garden of Eden. But I think uh, so many people, you and I know, and now we've been hearing from people too, are they think they've heard the teaching of the Bible? I know I fell into this category and said, "Well, that seems lame and dumb, and you know uh, that's not something we want to be a part of anymore." And
0: you, you, you are a pastor and a professor at a Christian university, and you just said that the Bible was dumb.
1: So. I, I said sometimes people's perceptions of teachings of the Bible. <laughs> You're putting words in my mouth again. It's it's like when you record me and throw me out there on Instagram, which I don't even have I an account. I asked you and before you just do I did that. Sort of. Sort of. So, but... People, I think we, we heard some people basically say it's just mind blowing to maybe revisit some of the things of the creation story, because yeah. I think a lot of people understandably so think they've been exposed to some version of biblical teaching and think, well, I, what? I don't understand that. So we've been going through a series uh, three weeks ago we were with uh, Rabbi Alan Ullman and he took us into just the idea of that the was a light. lot
0: longer than three weeks
1: well, ago. Well, three episodes, two episodes ago, I guess. ago. Three much, much it, it longer it, it than three weeks it ago. Drop three. Well, when you're my age, and the, the combination of my age is everything feels like it was 30 years ago, number one. And mm-hmm. number two, with my level of spirituality, since I live in sacred time and, and eternal time, and, and I have to come off the mountain every once in a while to, to be with your generation, it just gets a little tricky for me sometimes to know exactly where I am. Some people call that aging. I just call it the growth uh, of the spiritual character mm-hmm. that I that I <laughs> have. So sometime in the recent past, we had Alan Ullman join us, and yeah. he talked to us a little bit about... I
0: would like it noted that I have his son muted currently. I know, I know, because we're going to introduce him in a little like bit. gesturing he's from the right other up. side of the table, and his mic is picking it up, we're, so he's g- muted
1: now. And we're going to introduce him and our other guests in just a minute here into this, because we're on uh, week three. And the point of this series, yep. again, is not to get into all of the nuances of the creation story, but it's simply to have a conversation and expose people to some of the beautiful things we've had a chance to study and learn over these last eight to 10 years as we took a different kind of look, not just at the creation story, but as at the Bible as a whole. And I'll tell you what, some of the rooms that we've had a chance to study in have really... Yeah they've re-energized my faith in some ways that uh, I I didn't really even know that I needed. I I thought I understood quite a bit of the Bible. Turns out I only only understood about 30 verses and even those 30 verses I don't any longer (laughs) understand. So it's been really fun to do this journey. I don't know how it's been for you growing up because you're 21 now. Mm -hmm. We've been studying in this way since you were 11. So you didn't have anywhere near the deconstructive kind of work that I've had to do related to this, but you've been sitting in these rooms studying the Bible in these kinds of ways. What's it been like for you?
0: Yeah, I think my approach to the Bible for a really long time has been that if I think I know what's going on, I'm wrong. And that if I'm confused, then I'm on the right track. Um, Because that means that there is more layers to something than what I can see initially on the surface. Um, There are some like key words while I'm reading, where I'll pick out a word and I'm like, why did they say that instead of this? And I will then kind of follow that thread wherever I can. But yeah, my my general assumption is that whatever I'm reading at face value is not actually what's going on. Yeah. Which has been helpful in a lot of ways and frustrating in other ways.
1: Yeah. And I think once you get some study tools or just sort of maybe yeah, sure. oriented to the world of scripture and the different themes and the patterns and the ideas, it it, it makes it a touch easier. But it's it's still, it's it's a, a beautiful uh, book of of themes and patterns, some of which we'll cover in today's episode. I know last week you and I talked a little bit about some of the themes of the early chapters of Genesis. So we'll introduce our guests here in just a second, but you are back in school. We should have a short conversation about your return to school as well as your current experience with your Bible class. And then uh, I yeah. went to a concert last night that was quite meaningful too. So we can riff on that a little bit and bring our guests in.
0: Okay. We can bring them in now.
1: Well, but tell me about your, before we do, tell me about your Bible class that you have going on right now.
0: It's something. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's just very like, hmm. I'm, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm aware of the fact that I'm like on a Christian podcast, but like, it's just very Christian, like in the kind of more negative sense of the word, I would say, where it's just, it's very conservative. It's very narrow minded. It's very like, this is how you be a good christian because you as a person are doomed to and deserve hell um and here are the ways that you trick god into letting you out of that um and i just have not thought that way about god or myself in a very 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 long time and so it's really like frustrating to go back into those circles where i have to sit there and hear those discussions and hear those ways of thinking Um, it's even little things like we were reading an article this week for a discussion forum that we had to do, and it was talking about spiritual disciplines. And I was like, it, it, <laughs> My discussion post, I was aware while I was writing it that I was not answering the questions that she was actually asking, but I didn't really care. And I just kind of was like, You are asking me a black and white, like Sunday school question that I know the tick the box answer to. I'm modifying your questions to be better questions and then i am answering accordingly and i haven't yet checked to see if anybody has responded to my discussion post because we were supposed to respond to people's discussion posts and so i will be curious to see uh how that how that goes over Mm. but a lot of it was much more free form than than maybe the traditional like Narrow understanding of what it means to be a christian and how you do that quote-unquote correctly Mm
1: -hmm. Do you feel like a fish out of water sometimes where all the time? Do you feel like you have to pretend sometimes in certain circumstances and environments?
0: uh No, I used to I have Stopped caring about that and so I don't I don't pretend anymore. I tend to soften things a little bit so i don't necessarily go in like
1: guns blazing yeah yeah, <laughs> we got the two yeah six shooters like this out. is
0: wrong or that was dumb or don't believe that or like all of those things like i don't i don't go in like that but i do kind of where i will find myself a lot of times now is like either i will just be really quiet in those discussions or i will kind of gently try to introduce a new idea right. that i i don't pretend to agree with things that i very strongly disagree
1: with. Yeah, my problem over these years has been that I'm too passive aggressive in these situations and so I stay quiet for a long period of time and I don't say anything and and then it just gets all pent up and then some. there'll be some sort of theological exegetical explosion that I just dump on yeah. somebody after 10 years of having it all seen pent you do up. That <laughs> I know. So I'm trying to in in the clear spiritual sacred space that I inhabit Anna, I'm trying to figure out um how, how maybe I could go in a little, maybe say some things in the front end versus yeah. just letting it all get pent up like that. But honestly, yeah. I've seen a lot of organizations in, within religious structures, I think, function in that way where people don't feel like they have the freedom to say some things. And then by the time they finally say them, it's gotten to such a point that there's already a major fracture between people and it just blows yeah. up. And then that gets really ugly, too.
0: Yeah, and I have language around that for, like, myself in my own personal life and and how I handle conflict or more often don't handle conflict. Um, but, yeah, the the language that I have found around that is that there will come a point, like, I need to have this conversation now before I can no longer have it well.
1: Mm, that's a good that way is, to say it.
0: That is how I think about that now. And and that is how I approach conflict in a lot of my own, like, personal life at this point is is I have an understanding of, like, I have been bottling this up for a long time and now I'm at a point where if I don't have this conversation soon, I'm not gonna be able to do it well. Mm. so but yeah. yeah I I did that for a long time with religious things and then the conversation did not happen well. Uh, and so now I'm just trying to not do that
1: anymore. Mm. Well, by contrast, we went, your mom and I went with a few of your siblings last night. Actually, you were the only one missing. There was four four of the siblings and some friends. I know you were out last night. I had
0: a, oh, I actually, I had a springtide cohort meeting.
1: Yeah, which, yeah. yeah, and and, was and he was, uh, he joined us on the podcast, I don't know, ages n- ago. Now I'm insecure about about the when, <laughs> when times happened, yes. Yeah. But he, he was great, and uh, we well, would love to debrief about that a bit too. But we missed you last night uh, yeah. at the Andrew Peterson concert, and he's somebody that, if people have not had a chance to access his music or his writing, I don't know of a more reliable singer, songwriter, author these yeah, days than Andrew Peterson in terms of what he brings to the table. And and he's such a gardener, so it was fun last night knowing we're talking about yeah. the Garden of Eden, that so many of his analogies and songs come from that standpoint. But it, there's just such a rich, theological, accessible depth that he brings to the table. And, uh, and we really appreciated being there last night. I know for sure the one moment that really stood out for me is he has a song that I think is pretty well known right now. It's called... Um, why am I, is is he worthy, I think is what the actual title yeah. of the song, right? He released it with a choir in the background. You can say something. Yes. Yeah, so what's yeah. Holly's what, what, sitting here? Okay, and so she Holly just got
0: really excited Yeah. About so
1: one of said, our guests so. in studio, Holly, just had a it had a visible reaction. Hi, Holly. Welcome to Deeper Magic. Oh so you are obviously an Andrew Peterson fan as well.
3: You know actually I I don't know who he is. I only you know the song, the song is he worthy and I love that song. Oh, it's brilliant. That's a
0: great introduction to his stuff. I will send you aggressive music recommendations. Please I have books of his. My mom does too. It's he's brilliant.
3: I would absolutely love that. Please do that. Yeah, yeah. thank so, you. Absolutely.
1: Since we're clearly out of sequence now, and I, I will <laughs> go back to Andrew Peterson in a second, we do have another person in studio, and and that happens to be he is Noah.
0: currently unmuted. That could did we actually unmute?
1: Uh, and no, we just want to, uh, as we bring you into this, just know that her finger does seem to be hovering unusually over the mute button compared to other guests we've had on Deeper Magic before. Hello. See, this is why he wants to play around with his Strike NPR one. voice. This is totally—he wants to play around with his NPR voice, and and so uh, I have a feeling that 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 mute button is going to be then clearly in play. Mm. Yeah. All right. We will bring Rabbi Noah and Holly Allman into this show, maybe at okay. some time in I'm the future. I'm currently
0: allowing the NPR voice because I do think that it's really funny. <laughs> it's. But that it's, was. That was ridiculously good. Good. That was good. It's it's
1: ridiculously good. You like
0: good. negated your strike one with <laughs> yeah. that. That was that was yeah.
1: Thank
2: you, thank you. It's a, it's a delight to be here.
1: Uh, it's great. <laughs> well, and, and and as part of the mic checks in the beginning too. Holly's voice, like her. Are you feeling insecure at all because Holly's voice and Noah's voice for being on air it, is absurd. It, it's absurdly I'm not good. Not
0: insecure. I don't get insecure about
1: things. No, I still get insecure. Yeah, I, I never actually got out of junior high with about ninety percent of my life. I think
0: that. Yeah, is how I feel about high school. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Especially being in theater, it was like, ooh, yeah. That was that was a thing that happened. That's for sure.
1: No, no, you just reacted to that too. Did you get out of middle school?
2: Barely, barely. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, I was thinking about the term insecure, and I was wondering about the the formation of it because, like, insecurity. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. No,
0: I. Okay. Oh, you're just. I can do like a little tangent on that because I like took linguistics. Yeah, be I love it. It's so interesting. Um. But yeah, I just have always been fascinated by the idea of like the prefix, like modifying the word itself. And the, this isn't directly related to what you said, but another word like that that is my possibly one of my favorite words is um, disgruntled. But gruntled is, yeah,
1: a, word. is a word.
0: Yes,
3: <laughs> gruntled like is, is not a word. word. Yes, no, it's a word. That yeah, is, it it is
1: that's for real. But it's
0: like the yeah
1: gruntled's a word gruntled. I mean, is it's a too word. long for a wordle, so I won't run into it there. but it, it is I've never such seen a great
0: it. word. I love the word gruntled, but it is like that prefix modifying yeah, like, it and huh. making it a di- yeah. so it's like you have secure. and then the prefix has been like, nope. you're not that. you get to do something
1: else no now. secure
0: no secure So I, I think
1: I, after you end up muting Noah a few different times in this episode that I think maybe he I'll ha- mute you I think he has to use the word gruntled in a sentence properly to win back his microphone. Oh. Do you think that's a that's a fair move? That's a great I think that's idea. a very fair move.
3: I think that's excellent. If I could just, yeah. the word gruntled, one of the reasons that I love it is that disgruntled sounds disgruntled. It, it does.
1: totally it does. does. <clears throat> Isn't that an onomatopoeia or something? Is. is that what those that are called? There's where just, it sounds like, yeah. like the word? Yes. Okay. But
3: just like right. the idea of like, you know, if you say you're disgruntled, it's like, but it's such a guttural word that to, to mm. say that I feel comfortable or at ease and like to follow it, but like, yeah, I feel rather gruntled. Like, it's <laughs> it not,
0: so not right. Oh, that's Funny so thing. true. Yeah, my favorite really association true. with that word, I can't remember who said this to me, but one of my friends said it to me at one point, about um, the association is like a pig in mud. Mm-hmm. Like, you are gruntled, and it's like you just have this, <laughs> like, joy, and you're, like, rolling around in the mud, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, that. that is the association that I forever have in my head with the word gruntled now, because I feel like it sounds like that, even if it doesn't sound like comfort or like whatever like the idea of just being
1: ridiculous well it's a little bit like chuffed that's the yeah, scottish totally. word chuffed right because doesn't that mean happy as well yeah it mm-hmm. does. i always think chuffed means angry and gruntled it sounds like it means angry to me but now i'm gonna have to to reimagine these words that <laughs> so gruntled literally means happy or comfortable or something
3: yeah, yeah. okay some variation of that the right. the opposite of disgruntled you're gruntled <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Andrew Peterson
1: last night. Yeah, uh, Andrew we were, Peterson. Back to the yeah, we were yes, so, so, so Is He Worthy? And if you haven't, if somebody hasn't seen that particular adaptation of that song, to just go on the YouTube video and see him sing it within the choir in the background, singing Is He Worthy? Yes, he is. And there is sort of this call response kind of song. And last night in the auditorium in which we found ourselves, he sat down to play it. And then he invited, I would say, no fewer than seventy-five to maybe a hundred, primarily young women, mm-hmm. to surround the entire auditorium. Well, I guess we we're a little bit more in a sanctuary now that I think about it. It was more pews yeah, and I know and, where you are. Yeah. So and they and yeah. they surrounded everybody. And it was just genuinely stunning. The song takes its cues from the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. in which there is this invitation to open the scrolls and begin to set forth this restorative act that God is going to do. But there's this lament that is going on in the heavens in which there's no one worthy to open the scroll and, yeah. and to start the restorative act. And so all of a sudden uh, you you hear this almost li- lamenting, crying out who could be worthy, who could be worthy. And then uh, John uh, who wrote the, the this revelation says something to the effect of, well, the Lion of Judah, the land who was slain is worthy to open its scroll. And it's a stunning scene in the heavens. And, and all I can say about that part of it is I've always appreciated the song just listening to it, but then sitting with maybe 500-ish people. And everybody was being invited to call and respond as Andrew Peterson was singing it. But then the choir was like riffing around all of it with all this incredible harmonization and melody. And it just began to echo and echo. And at one point, uh, I closed my eyes and I just began to to cry a bit because it it sort of took me to a different place of saying, so what would this be like if it wasn't now just 500 people with 75 choir members, but what if it was every tribe and tongue and nation and some of the pictures? And now we're talking about thousands upon thousands and 10,000 as Revelation talks about. And it just, well, it was just simply stunning. I, I don't always know how to know when that veil between this realm and the realm in which God dwells is becoming thin, but it became very thin last night in that particular place. And it was just a really stunning time. So for people who don't know Andrew Peterson's music and his writing, uh, in, in he's, he's been, I think a lot of comfort and solace to us over the years in the difficulty of this journey that, that is life, I suppose. So that that's has been recent experience for me, but now we have our guests here since they're yeah. already almost properly introduced. This is, uh, Again, Rabbi, I just felt
0: like Noah might explode if he didn't get to yeah say yeah, something no, soon, yeah no there's so
1: if we were if because we will eventually visually stream these podcasts and if people could have seen him nearly hopping at the would you say hopping is the right word hopping yeah. at the microphone yep. I yep. see now he's trying to sit so <laughs> penitent and 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 calm so, I really
3: that's wild. not that's not a penitent <laughs> calm that yeah. is a preparation for the NPR voice
1: oh yeah, that you're, you know, you're right thank you yeah, yeah that was that was well interpreted it's Holly. like
0: that moment when the toddler is like all right mom just left the room. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So we have Rabbi Noah and Holly Ullman with us today, and you already have chimed in. Thanks for joining us, by the way, the two of you. You're you're actually staying with us as you're doing some uh, of the the study gatherings that you help lead. And it's been really fun to have you here and really fun to have you on the podcast.
3: Thank you for letting us stay with you. It's well, fun yeah. to be
2: here. It's been a blast. Thank you. It is a delightful gruntled to be <laughs> no, here.
1: Just brought <laughs> in gruntled. Gruntle. That's already. not I love it. That's how you, not use how that, you that, use word? that word. I, but I
2: appreciate. am very effort. I'm very gruntled
1: be yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> chuffed that you're gruntled, and so it, I
0: can mute both of them.
1: You could. you could. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we get back into the like, creation story a little bit with these two? I mean, maybe before we do, Noah, Holly, the two of you, just give some a little bit of context about what you guys do, what you're up to. I mean, it's it's quite a bit of interesting itinerant traveling uh, that you're you're stepping into you're in a lot of different kinds of rooms and a lot of different kinds of studies so i'll just let, let you have at it by way of introduction
2: yes sir thank thank you and really thank you it is <clears throat> truly a delight to be in your home and, so uh, it's so fun it's so fun um so yes we yeah travel all over um and teach scripture um so we uh we got into town We've been in the greater minneapolis uh, area for the last week um, doing studies kind of all over the area, different churches, different communities. Sometimes it's small groups in people's homes. Um, sometimes it's it's through a church. Just uh, I was in Colorado for the first or excuse me, the last two weeks of January, doing studies kind of all over Colorado Springs, Denver area. Um, be some studies at the end of this month. Uh, well, I should say late February in central North Dakota, um, and then going over to Nigeria and Ghana in March for two weeks. And that's just like a little snapshot of constantly immersed in different communities who love the Lord and want to study scripture and get to do that in in such a fun and delightful. And I love as you both were talking about, and Anna, you were talking about your class and I was thinking about, I love the way you were thinking about it. It was so fun. And I resonated so deeply because, you know, you were talking about 11 years old, you know, and, and getting to grow up around a different way of thinking about God and the Bible and the the lack of deconstruction, you know, that has to be done in oh, certain absolutely. things is like, it's such a gift and a blessing that I don't think on a personal level I appreciate. And then getting to be immersed in so many different communities and and seeing the, the wrestle of certain things when one has been taught a certain way and, and in a system in a certain way, and then having to go, not all of that might quite be it or, mm-hmm. or, and then the wrestle of there's some truth in what's been said, but then how do I parse out the things that are true? And, and really of the Lord with things that are maybe less so. And and, and the, the navigation of that is so difficult. And I just, I I, I loved how you talked about, um, on one level, this is my own wording of what you said, but like, I'm going to answer the question I want to answer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm going to yes. answer yep. the question that I think should be answered right now.
1: And Holly, you've been along in this journey now for a while too, and been in a lot of different kinds of rooms. And I'm curious what you've seen when you've been in the room, just through your eyes and your background with scripture and, and, Even as Noah was talking about traveling to these different countries, I would imagine maybe some of what you see is that a lot of these concepts of Scripture translate across different cultures, and then there's also uniqueness within them, too. I would just love to hear what your experience has been.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was first introduced to this style of teaching um, the first day that I, I met Noah was actually in a study. And I as like a personal aside, remembered that after the study, I remarked to my pastor at the time, you know, I was very excited, but also very, um, I can't quite think of the emotion, but just to say, I feel like I don't even want to read my Bible anymore. There's so much that I'm missing. There's so much that I don't, you know, and not in a, I've lost my faith and I'm throwing my Bible away kind of way, but just in like, there is so much depth that I'm not seeing. and I want to be able to see it and I want to be able to 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 experience this. And so it's been such a beautiful,, um, such a beautiful time to really just go into these communities and go into these spaces and watch some of those same revelations happen. I have a particular fondness for the certain, um, I think there are certain foundational things that we build. Um, can, you know, build what I think something that you were referring to in your, um, in your discussion about your Bible study class, my, my journey into my own faith was a little different than some, but it was much like I found myself going from being raised Catholic to moving into an evangelical back background. And that's where I, I, you know, really kind of met and developed a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Um, but in doing so, there are those structures that are, I'm almost hesitant to say Christian because it's a culture of our own that we've established that in some cases can be at times toxic or unhelpful or really just, you know, not good for whatever whatever the situation. And it's not to throw the whole thing out. I don't want to say that. I think there are some very beautiful things. And, you know, you you have kind of these set ways that things are. And so when I'm in a study space, one of my favorite things is to see some of these foundational things where I go, I don't know if that's really scripture and more so just our culture, and to watch those get shaken up a little bit and to oh, have that sure. moment of like, oh, maybe there's more ways to look at this than what I've just experienced. Yeah. Um, but I think speaking, as you were saying, Peter, to the different communities that we go to, it's interesting to see which passages will stick out and what is in a space. And, you know, with the way that the the studies will usually go and asking for, you know, what it is that's currently on each person's heart, what are they praying about? What are they thinking about? Maybe what's just in their life. Um, and there may be times when we're in a location, and the same passage will come up in several rooms, and just that recognition of like, the Lord is in this place with this community right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know Noah has often mentioned also just the different ways that people will connect with a certain passage of Scripture, Um, what it looks like to connect with Joseph, And his brothers in America compared to Joseph and his brothers in an Ireland context. When you see, you know, a country that's experienced that sort of infighting and experienced what it looks like to have um, brotherly conflict and how that really sits with them is different than what you would experience in a room in America. Yeah. Um, But it's just been such a beautiful eye-opening experience to see the full fabric of, of this community of believers um whether it's you know the first time that they've opened a bible or if you know they've been walking with the lord for you know decades upon decades you know to see the different ways that the spirit can move and speak through you know a small portion of text to everyone in that space mm.
1: Uh, maybe just one more question just about the structure of the studies that you all help lead. And then we can get into some of the content that I know that you have been talking about while I was running out to get the SD card that we clearly needed you. I know you developed uh, the outline a bit for today, but I just think about the rooms sort of, yes, (laughs) a bit more free flowing, but it's even part of what I appreciate is free flowing because my background with the Bible and Holly, you and I have both been in pastoral ministry. And I think, I have been in situations where the churches just genuinely value God's Word. They value Scripture. But I think maybe what is not always understood is how do they get to the materials that are available to them to then study God's Word. And that's where then my time in sort of university life and seminary life opened my eyes quite a bit. Because what I found was that the the starting point was a theological commitment not a biblical commitment. So there, there, there is a commitment to a certain vein of a theological idea. And then from that theological idea, you begin to sort of poke into the biblical text to find the verses that support your already predefined biblical idea. And then you create sort of the scope and sequence of curriculum to teach the kids or to go through a pastoral sermon series. But it, it's one of the most hidden, but I think very underappreciated things that has happened, I think, to millions of people in our country that have been well-meaning and well-intended, just even globally, not just the United States, that wanted to study God's word. But what happened is they learned a soundbite of a theological commitment of some kind that then got pushed into a bunch of curriculum. And then they're like, so this is what the Bible says? No, that's what a certain theological view that has been very stripped down and parsed out and cherry picked about what the Bible says, which is why I think it's so exciting in the rooms that you all are in when you get into it in a different lens, it just is, I've, I've watched it be mind blowing for people over and over again. So I don't know, Holly, if that describes your experience at all in terms of some of your pastoral ministry, but also to just the kind of rooms that you're navigating these days.
3: I No, I would say it absolutely does. I mean, even in what you were describing, um, sort of bringing it down into an even smaller context. I know when I would find myself writing sermons and you do that, you know, I'm outing myself a little bit, but you do that little quick Google search of like Bible verses about
0: joy. You know, <laughs> never done I do that, that, Holly. Every time that I have a Bible assignment for any totally. of my classes, yep.
3: It's, you know, and it, it, but it is a thing. But you know, and then you look though, and you see, kind of in that same vein, if you're not looking at the verse itself, but you're actually already picking up a lens to look at the verse through, it's going to look, however, that lens is going to make it look, and. And in that kind of sense of theology of, of, you know, if you apply a specific doctrine or thio- theology to something, then it will it will kind of alter the context of the verse, alter what you think the verse might say. Even through that, one of the lenses that has been in the rooms, I think one of the more frustrating ones to encounter is the lens of translation mm-hmm. um, and what different translators will do. Yeah, for and sure. you know, I would never want to imply that a translator has um, an agenda. An agenda, exactly. I, I, w- I
1: would imply it. <laughs> okay. Some yeah, of them might, but, so but, but carry, yeah, carry on. Don't That's worry
3: about fair. it. Um, but You've said far more heretical things in yes, here, so like you're sure. good. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, just the idea of you know watching people kind of come to the realization of, I know that your text says that. I know that your NIV, your NLT, whatever it is, I know that they used that word. That word isn't there. Mm. And when it was originally written in its original language, that was not the word that was used. Um, and, And understanding of like why that word might have been used later. And in some cases, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a closed variation. And other times it's, you know, I think of, uh, there's a, a a verse in Ecclesiastes that um says, you know i I was not able to find um one upright man in a thousand and not one upright woman among them. It doesn't say upright woman and so that or not one man in, in a thousand one not one upright woman, and the word upright isn't actually in the original Hebrew
1: hmm. which I didn't know you know,
3: that. then kind of. You know, when you hear that in the English, it's sort of a, 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 a damning thing towards women.
1: For sure. Mm-hmm.
3: But it wasn't necessarily what was being said in that, in that text. So I think in seeing that, um, being able to hold the space for people to recognize that maybe the translation that they currently have isn't the most helpful for certain verses. And it's not to say that it's every word, it's every verse mm-hmm. that's this way, but... Maybe not the most helpful for certain verses, and being able to sort of tenderly bring them into a space where they can start to expand and start to look at a verse differently, and take a step out of the liberal, li- literal. Excuse me. <laughs>
0: yep. No, you're good.
1: We're neither. Yes. <laughs>
3: and
0: take.
1: <laughs> oh, there's there's so many things that we. <laughs>
0: I had, what was it? It was last episode. Yeah. That I had like 30 seconds of me just trying to form any kind of coherent words and I just couldn't. Yeah. And so it was just me making weird noises into the mic for like 30 <laughs> seconds because there was no words coming out right. of my mouth.
3: That's, That's amazing. That yeah, was great. Yeah. That sounds like something I would do. For
1: sure. Um, but, but to your point, just the literal translations, it, yeah. it's its tricky to yeah. just work through them on face value on so many different levels.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, your rooms are different in which you study because how, I think Holly, you described that so well, but the kind of rooms that you set up to study in mm-hmm. are really different. We're not just sitting back answering a question that has been fed to us, but I know that we're going to be doing some studies this weekend, three hours at a whack. In this case, it's it's uh, Noah with your, with your dad is going to be leading these studies. But for people who don't really even maybe know what we're talking about here, all I can say is the first time I got invited into a study, it was an all-day study, meaning like nine
0: hours. (laughs) It was
1: was nine hours, and I thought, are you serious? We're going to study the Bible for nine hours hours. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was, I was That's down- like
0: opening a book to the introduction and the introduction is a hundred pages and you're like, well, okay. for sure it was.
1: And I was downloading games on my phone because I knew <laughs> I was going to have to keep myself occupied somehow. If it was going to be nine interminable hours of, <laughs> Gosh, of Bible can you imagine study,
0: like a Sunday school, oh, I, can't Bible study. I can't imagine. I can't imagine.
1: I'll yeah. Cry. And, but then but then your dad Noah opened up the text in a way and it just began to blow my mind and those 9 hours went by in the blink of an eye and uh, and so yeah just maybe we'll get into the Genesis story in a little bit but why don't you give some context about <clears throat> these different ways in which we're studying that so contrast to what Holly was so so articulately talking
2: about. Yeah, I, and I was thinking about that because she's yes. I... Was
3: that sarcasm? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was <laughs>
1: I heard it. I was, I, was like, I was able. I tell if that was just devastating I, me, or if he was trying to reassure you. It was articulate. That was, that's what was so funny. I thought it was yeah,
0: articulate as well. And then watching yes. your face, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. Uh,
3: I, full disclosure, I have never done a podcast before. I am it, doing
1: Holly. the you're best. You're absolutely podcast. killing <laughs> it. I, am not, I would never say that out loud. If, you know. <laughs> it means you're in. It means you're in. in yes, the yes. That's, yeah, so that's the initiation ritual. Getting getting teased only a little bit. Uh, having there, uh, there's one time when I was live on air. So this was not a podcast; it was live on air, and I was Oof. supposed to do a news there's read. No editing. No, I was supposed to do a news read for something going on in oh, Russia at the story. time. So I so the difference between liberal and literal, right? Like time. this kind of thing happens all the time, but we can edit it out in our podcast. Live on air, I'm trying to read about the Russian president, and I get through the news read, and I say Vladimir Pupin. <laughs> Live on air. Live no. on air. And I, the producer in the studio literally fell down behind the soundboard laughing. He could hardly even take it. And there's absolutely no recovery. So You can't do anything yeah. about it. That's so, already so out there. So just mixing up liberal literal, literal not, now you're in. You're Yeah, this, this is great. This is how, yeah, this is great. You know, it so was it was of passage. It was brilliantly said. Yeah, I've never recovered from that. Then he took it and made a blooper reel out of it. So it just got worse.
0: Oh, was that Nat?
1: No, it was Logan. And uh, Logan was okay. amazing. To, I'm going to reach out way. to Logan
0: and see if I can so, get that because I want that to be a button on here
1: yeah but i just i love the the ministry context that you bring to this holly and having seen all of this up close and personal and then having a similar experience of something really different of now opening the bible and and having it be something that just it just looks different i think when we open it in the rooms that you guys hold and and host and so i would love yeah no just give us a little
2: sense of the room yes and so i was gonna say i i agree with you just there she, she go. Uh, it's,
1: mm-hmm. and her radio voice is killing me right oh, now my word, I yes. mean and it's just her voice that's the thing
2: okay for, um, I want to share okay real quick personal story yes go so when we first start um, oh, pursuing no. each other uh, we, Holly we blink twice leave... if you need help yeah. <laughs> blink twice okay <laughs> she's laughing yes. too hard yes. uh, we, we were leaving each other whatsapp audio <laughs> messages Okay. Right. That was how we communicated. That's brilliant. You know, especially cause we, I, you know, she's in Fargo, I'm Boston based and, and, and now have moved to Fargo. Um, but originally, you know, we weren't necessarily in the same town in the same city. And so there was, um, how do we communicate? We did WhatsApp audio messages and I got to hear her voice all the time. It was amazing. Did you she just has, play
1: and like replay and play and replay?
2: hundred percent. Yes, I, of course you did. Absolutely. Oh I one hundred percent replayed messages that I'd already heard because her voice is that's
0: just so cute. Oh,
2: I, thank you. She that's is
0: really upsettingly cute.
2: Thank you. I uh, one um I believe at the time thirteen or fourteen year old young girl uh, at the time when we were early on dating referred to me as a smitten kitten. That's, <laughs> oh, that's uh, hilarious. That's amazing. Uh, so, uh,
0: one of my professors, uh, Jim Bilby, actually for my ethics class. My favorite phrase that came out of that class was from a tangent that was a personal story and he said he was in deep smit and that is my favorite (laughs) new
1: phrase. (laughs) Deep
0: smit's
2: pretty solid. I'm in
0: deep smit. And I'm yeah. like, that's that's good. I like
2: that. I was I was quite gruntled mm. when I met <laughs> her. Um, I see. That's so, twice. Yeah. He just did well. Thank you. Uh, okay, so to, to your question, yes, which is a real. Um, uh, so yeah, I, you, the way the studies start is um, we'll start by asking uh, everyone for their name and a word, a phrase, or a sentence of something they been they have been praying on or thinking about or that's been on their hearts. And from the gathered words, phrases, sentences, a few passages emerge. We vote and we study. So as Holly said. It, the, the whatever we study is very much what is in the room. That's what we're studying, and so it's it's not a predetermined thing. But you were also talking about I, there are so many pieces, and, and Holly was speaking to this, I think, exquisitely of just how, the way in which we frame conversations. And, and I don't know that we appreciate how much we frame things through varying lenses mm. that are not objective, universal reality that like there's just even Western schools of thought that are not Eastern schools of thought. And the Old Testament is an Eastern book written by Eastern people. You know, so like the idea of, you know, and and yes, uh, by God and of God, and people who are living Eastern, right? So, okay. Mm -hmm. So we're talking Eastern. That is a different fundamental thing. Um, And how we hold ideas is therefore going to be fundamentally different. And I'm not saying right, wrong, better, worse. It is Different, and so the, the 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 difficulty of that, and I think a lot of times in these studies, we're looking at things through hopefully a bit more of a different lens, a different perspective. You know, I, I believe in a prior podcast, um, you had talked about unpacking the very first word of the Bible. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. The in beginning or...
0: In beginning, in the beginning, in a beginning, in this beginning, all of the variations of that.
2: Exactly. Which in Hebrew is one word, bereshit. So as a quick example of this, I was at a church, uh, this would have been last year, and I did a. I actually did a sermon on just the first word of the Bible. Just the first word, which minimally, the variantly translated the ways that you just said, right? Okay. So uh, bereshit, in beginning, in the beginning, in a beginning and there's more but like okay we'll just leave it for there for now. Okay. And I and I say, you know, this is literally what it says. And you can tra- it can mean all of these things. And and I'm not saying that it doesn't mean any one of them. I'm saying it literally could mean all of them. And if you want to take the Bible literally, literally, it can say all at least all 3 and then i get off I, you know we we had a, it was a 45 minute conversation i come and sit down the the formerly pastor of the church stands next to me and he goes okay in the in <laughs> and, and no did
1: that feel like a loaded question right there it and must I, have
2: and i went oh of course
0: yeah, and, yeah.
2: He, and he went what and i was like well yes and he just laughed and shook his head <laughs> you know cuz yeah, it, it, and, and and he was just he was like that, that's what you would say, you know, it was so perfect and so quintessential, but it's, it's that, it's this or that and that, and, and he, he knows what I'm, yeah. And it's, and it's like, well, if I'm actually going to take this really literally, really literally, well, then can I hold the multiplicity of meaning? And I think that's what gets to be so hard in the West. We sometimes have incredible difficulty holding the multiplicity of meaning of things in the East I'm not saying it's perfect by any stretch, but just the idea that it could mean multiple things can be held, I think, in such a more loving, gentle, kind way. And then can we not go off and spin off how many different denominations or how many different, you know, frameworks of things based upon a legitimate, genuine understanding of something that could both be true? Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and I just keep coming back to uh, a little bit of what we covered in our study a couple of Weeks ago, last week? Last week. Shoot. Oh, yeah. now, they're struggling. now they're struggling just, with time. eternal I just time. I started is hard. my spring yeah. semester, so I feel like I'm, yeah.
2: When you step into eternity in, in the present. Yes. 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 <laughs> um,
0: but I just keep coming back to the question that I brought up a little bit in our last episode when when Joshua was like, Are you for me or are you for my adversaries? And the guy just says, No. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's that, where it's like, I mean, good good effort, wrong question. Let's try again.
2: Okay, to your exact point, in the Joshua 5, right, the Joshua 5 is such a fun study, right, because it's, are you are you for me or are you f- for my enemies? There's a lot more, right? there's a, there's a lot more to unpack there. And, and and in the question itself, when Joshua's meeting with the captain of the Lord's host or commander of the Lord's army there in Joshua chapter 5, and he asks this question, right, the answer is no, right? And it's very much a binary question. Is it A or B? And then the response, no, Joshua In what is a stunning example i think of sacred leadership and recognizing the moment says oh he throws himself on his face prostrates and goes what does my lord say to his servant Mm -hmm. you know and and what does it mean to switch from an a or b in which i am dictating the parameters of which we're going to engage to say i'm all yours whatever you say it is you know and 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 that is a very different orientation but the, the prior orientation wasn't necessarily wrong or unhelpful if I'm maybe leaving Egypt and going into the wilderness. But now that I'm from the wilderness going to the promised land, the orientation's got to change. And, yeah. and if I'm living in these A, B, I'm dictating the dynamics, not to say it's 100%, but it might be speaking to where I actually am in the text and and where I'm trying to move to. Maybe yeah. versus the, the completely wide open second question that he asks, which is a very different indication of where he is and where he's going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's more a matter of like what – like this might be the right question but the wrong time to be asking it or the wrong situation to be asking it in. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Holly, one of my favorite parts is that when um, when Noah or his dad Alan will break open the the text and it's in Hebrew, so it even looks different than than my Bible yeah. does. I mean, right? Like growing up and being in pastoral ministry, it's just even just orienting yourself to the text is different in these ways. It's it's, it's like really fun. Literally. It's yeah, it's really fun to see.
3: No, absolutely. It's um, for those of you that aren't familiar, that uh, Hebrew is going to be read from right to left instead of left to right. So you've got a book that essentially opens backwards as you're reading it anyway. Oh, right. um, which I know was un- it was a it's little confusing for me the first time for sure I look for me over too. and watch him open and I'm like, where, what, what what are you, what doing? Are you doing? Where yeah. where are <laughs> what we you're in? You're the saying Bible Genesis, is but that? you're at the end of your book. Yeah, so you what is Revelation right now? So no, I don't totally. understand.
1: <laughs> well, that uh, Anna, I know that you. What we talked about is just doing a little bit more work in day one. I think we're going to be mostly in day one of Genesis today. If I have the the sequence right, we might get a little further than that with some of the themes.
0: We'll see.
1: Yeah, and the the point of this again is not to teach exhaustively all no. of what's here, because going back to my comment previously, these are the kinds of things that you can end up studying for nine hours and even then you could come back for another nine and another nine get and another through three nine. Verses. Right. And so we're, this is just simply a means again, for people who maybe have been interested in the Bible, but potentially put off by the way the Bible has been taught to them through these sort of, I think, limited educational systems, but would be hungry for something more but I want to say that I think Noah and Holly gave us some sort of blood oath here earlier today that they would be willing to maybe do a deeper dive on some of these concepts down the road. Now, I it, was
0: not in the room for that, so yeah, I cannot I mean, testify. Is,
1: is blood oath too strong, would you say, Noah? Is that or, or are we kind of at least in that category that we can start doing some of what we've talked about on Deeper Magic, some spin off episodes that, that would then get a little further into this? Now,
0: This is like making a deal with the Fae. You have to be incredibly careful (laughs) about what you say next. That is an
3: excellent reference. Thank you. Well done. I
0: have been living in a lot of those mental realms right now with writing and reading and fun things. But yes, thank you.
2: I I was thinking about Joshua when he... uh, he makes a covenant with people he shouldn't have made a covenant with. Him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and then has to stick with fair. it because he said yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, Whoopsie. Yeah. Yep. So, so no, that's super fair. So so uh, to, <laughs> to be determined right now to be <laughs> and
0: determined.
1: Now
2: we move on. Yes.
0: Okay. No, I will be the Amalekite one.
1: or Noah, the Moabite or whoever
2: this, this person we, is. Yes. There are there are we, we will absolutely <laughs> do more. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Anyway, all right. <laughs> just the moment. So, no, it's perfect. <laughs>
1: well, so okay. Well, so take us away. Holly, no pressure. Holly was the prime
0: example of how you respond to that in that she did not respond to that you have sentenced yourself to your fate i'm so sorry what
2: was the fate
0: well you said we will do more that was so open-ended yeah, you didn't put a limit on how many well, more, you so now up he with can the just light come light back to you
1: forever. Then he, did you, you see that he's? Host? Oh, did you see do that do he's that. pointing at me you, across the you table? Right? Sure.
2: You make that turn and say, "What does my lord say to his servant?" Right, it's a. I well, will
1: meet you again.
2: It's a little yeah. insider I baseball
1: will. that Noah and I do re- refer to each other as the brothers in light. So uh, yeah, and but you know, Noah, it's one of those things. And you said it earlier, Anna has the soundboard right I now. Do. And so you and I speak truth back and forth to each other in, in terms of how much light we bring into the world. And, and then sometimes you need to speak truth to power, right? That's what you said. Anna has the power right now. I really
2: think your nickname should be Mo because you are just as humble as, uh, as our dear friend uh, Moses. Clearly, clearly. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to
0: start calling call. you Mo. That's really fun. Without any context for anyone else in our family, I'm just going to start calling you Mo.
1: But I think that's super. Well, yeah. okay, that'd be my new podcast nickname, Mo. Is Mo. Yeah, Mo, the yeah. most humble. Oh, Peter. I will say it's this is than a P-Camp. total
0: side note. But um, <laughs> one of one of my friends who is an artist, um, she said that she wanted to draw Hebrew boy as like some sort of superhero character.
1: I of love some kind, that superhero but character. But she said
0: that now you and I both need nicknames so that she can draw our alter egos as well. Okay, perfect. So we'll come up with that. We'll later, figure out the but right currently one. Currently, yours is Mo
1: currently mine whatever is that looks like Mo. and Mo is not to my understanding present in the creation story like as much as I've misunderstood the Bible Mo was not in this this first day per se right No. Mm-hmm. see now you're already yeah. you seeing this no okay so uh-huh. take us away let's get a little further into some of these concepts as just examples of how scripture can sound when we get into this So we just took a little break there before Noah is going to take us into this first day of creation. But I just want to say that during the break, there was a phrase that was used. Noah, like as you and I were talking about the obvious self-evident realities of the light that we bring to the table. I, I want to say Holly looked across the table to Anna and said something to the effect of, uh, how did you say it, Holly? <laughs> is it related to you?
0: Between you and I, Peter is a fae. Between, that was what, what she said. <laughs> Which is true.
1: I'm going to have to look up this fae reference a little bit more carefully at this point. because noah a lot
0: of or I'll send your way. Thank
1: you. No, no, I just got labeled a fae, and I'm not entirely sure what this is, uh, what this means.
0: There's a lot of implications about that. There seems to be. Yeah.
2: I literally have no idea what's going yeah,
1: on. Yeah, no, I'm going to look okay. this up. So while you're That's going okay. through day one in creation, I'm Polly, going to Google fae. Helps you at okay.
0: all? Um, I I play D and D, and my character, uh, all of the defining characteristics were built around the concept of being the most obnoxious fae. That is like where all of her personality came from. I, it's very fun.
3: Uh, this is something that I
0: will have. have a whole I want about to this experience later. this character. It's really this long. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh it's great. I caused so many problems.
1: Uh, something definitely got unleashed uh, hear No, we, we better. We keep threatening to bring it back to day one in creation. Maybe now's the time okay, to now you can to do day start. One. Okay. I'll and and I know that the three of you in particular talked a bit more about this, but I'll <laughs> jump in if, if and as I can. But yeah, what do you take us into this a bit?
0: Hey, man, I, I'm looking at you. It's your I'm turn, Noah. You. You, go, you go ahead. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about in beginning and a little bit about like Tohu Vavohu and the spirit hovering over the waters. Uh, we talked a little bit about light. We talked a little bit about like God speaking the light into being. I think mostly what we want to talk about right now is just the little bit after that. I don't have my Bible open in front of me, but the uh, the good and God saw that it was good. And and I think that's kind of most of what we're talking about. We're just gonna kind of see where that takes us because this is what we do in those Bible studies. But you can you can start us off wherever you would like with that. The board is behind me. If you need a cheat sheet, thank you. If you did not sufficiently prepare for this,
2: oh, I was I supposed to prepare? Yes, you were. Did you get <laughs> so,
0: the memo last night?
2: There are memos. Yeah. Did you fax it?
0: No, I didn't. Oh, but there's bad. an email blast. I, I send one every that. 20 minutes.
2: I, I only do fax or page. Oh. Did you page? <laughs> okay, I can
0: can okay. I get walkie-talkies? Would that work? If I walkie-talkie you like every 20 minutes?
2: As long as I have extra batteries.
0: Okay, cool. We'll, we'll okay. start that out.
2: That's fair. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I, I, I could be serious. Okay. Um, you don't so, have to be though. Okay. Good. okay. <laughs> right. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you said, uh, God said – be light. I know usually most translations yeah. let there be light. Quite literally, be light. God said, "Be light," mm-hmm. and it was light. Um, and then, uh, verse four of Genesis chapter one, God saw the light that it was good, um, and and so literally in the Hebrew, there, um, vayar Elohim et haor kitov, um, and God saw the light that it is good. Now God sees the light that the light is good. When?
0: Man, I knew I should have had my Bible in front of me. Okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, I do, but it's currently being used to keep my water from being really loud when I set it down on the table. Uh, After it's created.
1: After it's created. But uh, also after it's separated from the darkness. No. No.
0: Before. it's in the darkness, and he sees it.
1: Boom. So Say that again? Wait, how did you say that?
0: So it's the, and God said, be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good. Um, oh. The next bit is And God Divided the Light from
1: the Darkness Okay, all right, But well, you're getting is, pointed at by Noah So clearly you've had the right, right answer here
0: After it's created hmm. and he has seen the light But it hasn't been separated from the darkness yet Okay We really need a visual is there, element Is there
1: the actually own? significance <laughs> in that? Is it, it, okay, so tell okay. me more hey, Yeah <laughs> I, I want. I want. Yeah, I want to hear more. Why is that? Why, why did you tease that out? Why the
2: question? Yes, sir. So, yeah. If we think about this, I think we oftentimes think of the light is good, but the light is good when there's no darkness. Okay, but this is actually saying yeah. the light is good
0: in the midst of the darkness.
1: Uh, okay, I'm still tracking, kinda. Holly, are you tracking? Of course. I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm seems only like a mildly, problem. It is a me problem. Okay. I'm, only, I'm I'm. kind of tracking.
2: So in other words, I think we think that in order for something to be good, it has to be completely what? From? Separate. Okay. But this is actually saying that light can be good.
0: In the middle of something. That Dead, maybe. I'm picturing it like the Doctor Who, Wibbly Wombly, Timey Wimey thing. Like that like messed up perception of time Yes, it's I remember like that. everything okay. you know is fake. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm taking that and applying it to everything happening here. Okay, got it. In terms of light and dark.
2: Okay. And and, and just think about this in another context of a way of picturing this. We'll uh, we'll have conversations in the New Testament that talks about Jesus being the light.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And he's gonna go into the darkness. Of the world. Ah. For sure. Okay. <laughs> Is he I not, was like interesting. <laughs> right, now, is he, right? Is he not good as the light in the midst <laughs> of, of the darkness? Yes. Of, okay. The right. So is. this yes. is The the idea I think sometimes that we have and how we think of it is, if it's anything that is darkness or anything that might not be considered to be good, is present, then it can't be. And actually, this is saying, oh no, you could have light in the midst of something, and it can be good. It doesn't have to be taken out. And actually, if we even think about this from a biological perspective. All of us begin our lives where? In the darkness. Literally for about 40 weeks, give or take. Right, right? of course. Almost any seed, in order for anything to sprout up from this earth, has to go into... Darkness. Right, so the idea that darkness can't also hold within it potentials for life to come forth, right? There just comes a time when that seed or us, we have to... Yeah. Come into the light. And
0: Mm -hmm. I think it challenges some of our perceptions of, like, people or places or ideas or other beliefs or other ways of seeing or thinking about the world is the idea that like okay unfortunately there is often the thing where it's like because that's different from me that is bad or evil but like you and I were talking about this the other day a little bit where I was like I pull a lot of my ways of experiencing God from other belief systems or from other worldviews because I do believe that there is truth in those in some capacity and so it, it, it is this idea of, like, there, there can be good within, like, there can be light within the dark, and, and those two things are not, like, mutually exclusive
2: exactly it, it never calls the darkness bad here mm-hmm. At no point does it actually yeah that's why that. i that's,
0: stopped and t- changed yeah. to light and darkness because i was like good and bad is not what i'm talking about here
2: and, and like and and it's called good in the midst still like it didn't have yeah. to be separated then referred to as good which i think is a very interesting little thing within the text that i mean it could go to that degree but it doesn't it says no god saw light that it was good and then god is separating the light from the darkness um But I mean, to your point about different cultures, different communities, this to me is part of the whole conversation about how do we engage with others who are not like us. As an example, in Jeremiah 29, in Jeremiah 29, this is a passage in which Jeremiah is talking to the people about being taken off into Babylonian captivity. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah will say to the people, God is giving him this message to give to the people, you need to seek the shalom of the city to which you are scattered in. You know, the notion that you just get to build up a big wall around yourself and not engage with anyone in exile, that's actually not the ask. And there's going to be huge disagreements within the community of some people saying, you have assimilated too much into Babylonian culture and lost the heart of what it means to follow God. And there's going to be other people who say, you never sought the peace of the city and you're, you're, uh, you know, way too legalistic and tight. Mm -hmm. And, And there's going to be huge disagreements within the community of, did we actually seek the peace, you know? And, and so the difficulties of these conversations, you know, in a real life application sense of yeah. it's not so simple to just say, oh, I can just separate and divide and never engage with. That's actually not the ask of God towards the people in exile.
0: Or that somehow the separation is what keeps something good. Like, no, you can, it, it can be one thing.
1: So are there are there different versions of darkness that are part of the themes of the text in, in which maybe they are a, a darkness to be avoided versus a darkness in which things can be sort of germinating and coming to life? And the reason why I bring it up is now my mind is racing through all kinds of passages of which I probably heard in passing things like the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it or this present darkness or the darkness of the ninth plague or the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. So... Is there a sense in which there's different versions of darkness in in the text? Holly's she's shaking her head, yes, so okay, this is so exciting. I've never I've heard this in passing, but I've never had a chance to ask the question. So different versions of darkness help me out here,
0: Holly, you seemed excited about that.
3: Well, I'll let Noah get a little bit deeper into the Hebrew of it, but to kind of give um to kind of give an overview um when we Look at verse 4 and it says that God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. We kind of imagine a, a black and white scenario that there was light and then he put a separation and then there was dark. But the idea of that that separating between um, between between is that there was a separation between the light between between the darkness hmm. and that there's more of a gradient then of a light, dark, that and a certain level of gray area that comes. And that's seen as well if you look at when um, King Solomon in the, the famous Solomon asks for um, yeah. wisdom passage. He doesn't ask for um, the difference um, between between good and evil, separating them again in that black and white, but good to evil, wisdom to discern that mm. kind of gradient, that gray area that comes.
1: And I think I think that idea itself is revolutionary for a lot of people that as opposed to trying to live in either the the, for the fully defined boundaried good or the fully defined boundaried evil would be that the way that most people understand some things. But you're talking about these things that are on a bit of a continuum or a gradient in some ways. And,
2: and to me, it gets to a whole thing that I know Anna was talking about before we came on, which is the verbiness of the text that that this is you know, I think we think of ourselves as very fixed um, and 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 then the text is wildly verbing the The Hebrew language is very much a verbing language in english we're we're very much a noun centric language. even the way that that thought unfolds in in the text in of our Bibles, um, the verb will precede the subject in a sentence, you know it, it almost sounds like Yoda talk, hmm. you know. Yeah. Ran, I did. You know, like it, 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 it. It's it's totally different in that regard, um, which I think speaks to a dimension of this whole conversation, the complexity therein. But is just,
1: there yeah? Is there an example that we could talk about, just about how maybe the gradient of this works between light and darkness, or the gradient between good and evil that you're
2: talking about? Okay, so yes. Okay, so just a real. Did you have a?
0: I had just a thing about verbs. Oh yeah. And just with the, is it? It's Exodus something. I never know my Bible passages, huh. but I know, like, ish where in the Bible they are, <laughs> like, sort of. Until I get to the New Testament, then I just know that they are in the New Testament somewhere. Um, yeah. But the um, I was and will be what I was and will be
1: yes is mm. the
0: name of God, is how God introduces himself to Moses right. at the burning bush. Which then some of the implication of that is that if we are created in the image of God, then we are also verbs that are ever-changing and always— evolving and and morphing and creating and destroying like within ourselves and it's this whole thing but that's just like my favorite example of some of the verb stuff
1: well actually so let me let me just do this just to frame this because we have two different if i'm listening right now i'm thinking my mind is probably being blown and i don't know if i can follow entirely what are, are maybe more native to to the what's in this conversation i just remember my mind being blown by these two things so let's take them one at a time yeah, One, for sure. um, Holly, what you just said about the gradient of good to evil or light within darkness and, and that whole idea. But this other thing that we're talking about right now, I think was, is equally mind blowing. And certainly when I've taught it in class, that the the text is way more verby than it is a noun. And the idea that mm-hmm. things are constantly changing and shifting and morphing and moving is also a really incredible concept if somebody wants to understand what's in scripture. So let let's go back let, let's we'll go back to the gradient thing because you blew my mind just a second ago with that one, yeah. Holly. Uh, where where do we want to start between the verbiness of this
2: and, or the, the gradient reality of light and darkness. So let's, maybe let's take the verbiness and then we'll come back to the gradient. Okay. That might yeah. be helpful. Yeah. So just what Anna was pointing to there, Exodus chapter three, Moses is at the burning bush. And he says to, the, to, to God at the burning bush, you know, if I'm going to go to these people and I'm going to say to them, you know, God sent me, what should I say is your name? You know, what, what, you're the God of what? What's your God name, you know? Um, and God says, uh, literally, um, in the Hebrew of Exodus chapter three, uh, the Lord will say to Moses, uh, Ehieh Asher Ehieh. And Ehieh Asher ehiei, Um literally uh, we translate it something like, I will be what I will be. Mm-hmm. And so the name of the Lord um, is the word to be in, yeah. in the imperfect conjugated form of the verb to be in imperfect tense, just meaning an action that is not yet complete. Um, mm-hmm. It could be past, present, future tense. And so a more painfully literal translation might be something like I was, am, will be what I was, am, will be. And that, as you said, Anna, is a verb. Um, yeah. And of all the words that God could use, of all the verbs that God could even use, I think it's also especially fascinating to think that God, when God chooses to name God's self, chooses the word to be god doesn't choose the word
0: god to do oh there you go
2: and to me that's a fascinating thing uh that that of all the verbs because god's going to choose a verb and then it's gonna Mm -hmm. god's gonna choose a verb that is past present future tense because hebrew eh, i should hebrew really only has two tenses primarily that you know english we have past present future, present, continuous, all kinds of tenses, Hebrew, primarily um, action that is complete or action that is not yet complete. And God chooses the action that is not yet complete tense to name God's self. Well, And what's such a
1: big deal about that is it's it's, it's somewhat common, I think, for people to say, you know what, you should really live in the present moment. But I think in in just mining into that idea a little bit, you see what we're talking about related to the verbiness of the text, because you actually can't live in the present moment. It's impossible. If we all just sat here at the table and said, on the count of three, let's all live in the present moment. One, two, three. We missed it. And we missed it again. And we missed it again. And and so things are always in this sort of moving, shaping kind of dynamic. And and for me, well, I don't know, Holly, I'll, I'll turn it over to you in just a second, because I want to come back to that. But I think about when when I was in pastoral ministry... I don't think I had this kind of language that I think would have been far more graceful for the people that I would have maybe been frustrated with or graceful with myself than too, because if we are verbs and not nouns, then we're always in the process of becoming, which means that the story is not yet written. And so whatever is going on within the frustrating reality of, uh, of an existing situation, whether it's a marriage or whether somebody's parenting or whether things are difficult and something going on at work, whatever it all is, I didn't ever just have this concept of verbiness that things will continue to unfold and how we are in the present will keep unfolding into the future. I think for me, in a pastoral ministry standpoint, I would have had a ton more patience with people, but also too, just in life in general, with friendships and other people that I, that I knew, if I thought, hey, we're all verbs, we're all being and becoming as we go along, and, and maybe a misunderstanding, even some of what's in the Hebrew, but that, that would have been game-changing for me, even as a parent a lot of times.
3: No, I would absolutely agree. I think, you know, it, it it rests in between the difference between being and doing, and very much to, you know, what Noah was pointing to, which is the idea that the Lord is not like, I will do what I will do. And and similarly, yeah, finding myself, I think, in in those scenarios frustrated by the actions of people of what they were doing or or kind of how I would define them by what they did rather than defining them by the being. Um, And that continual transformation that happens through that relationship with the Lord and the idea that it is just this continual being that will alter and change based on, you know, your life situations where, you know, where the Lord is bringing you what he's bringing you through Um, and, and getting focused, I think, more on the outward doing and that outward appearance agreed it would have been a much different perspective to really focus on the inward self of the person.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I think I, the word hope, I don't think it's possible to actually live in hope without some sense of verby unfolding of all things, that you know that however it is right in this moment as I'm experiencing it will not always be how things are. And so once you understand that idea, then, then the magnificence, I think, of hope, which is what is so many people are living without, is that it it gives shape to the present circumstances. If you're living in such difficulty, if you've lost somebody, if there's a horrible diagnosis that has sort of come in and through and upon you, I, I don't know how to live in that unless you understand that the story continues to unfold, that it's continuing to move forward. And in all of that, is there that's that verbiness is there where we find the promises of God and the places of hope and that I will never leave nor forsake. I don't know how to live differently. In hope, really, if there's not a verbi unfolding that's going on. Noah, you were going to say something.
2: I, I was just thinking about what you, where we were talking about almost at the very beginning of this whole conversation, which was you had referenced when Anna was describing her her, her class at, at Bible college, like, and and how for Hannah and really for myself as well, we didn't have to unlearn certain things, and and how that was a process for you and, and a continual ongoing process. So the notion of we'll just live in the moment, detached or disconnected from how we come to these moments is an absurd thought. like it, it is it is kind of the height of something that just makes absolutely less than no sense. We, it is all of our life experiences all filter and factor in. So the notion of just, oh, you're just in the moment. It, there, there's in that has to be determinative what's happened of the present and the future, and the notion that that doesn't shape things and impact things and affect things deeply. It's just not true. And yeah. so, you know, just that idea of just be present. It's like that is, <laughs> I don't, That's I don't not mean really it's it, like, It's a quaint idea, but like, yeah, to be honest, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a realistic ask for any human being because there are things yeah. that have happened and are happening and continue to. And so the notion of you can just utterly sever that reality is, is, is so unfair to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holly also has a brilliant teaching on the being doing. Could you share a bit on that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, There is um, an interesting thing that happens in our culture um, and something that I've, for myself, have been working on getting myself out of, which is um, if you're in a space and you've met somebody for the first time, um, you've, you know, exchanged names, what is the first question that you kind of ask them?
1: What do you do?
3: Exactly. (laughs) When they answer that question, what do you learn about them or how are you defining them?
0: By their job or their Mm -hmm. career?
3: It becomes who they are. Oh, for sure. And I, suddenly, I, I you're le- able to really look and say, yeah. "Oh, yeah. you know," because you get that kind of like, you know, "What do I'm a doctor?" Oh, oh I know. You're yeah. a doctor, or you know, mm. something a little less. You're like, "Oh, okay, that's Peter cool. is a
1: doctor." I well, and I've already, I've no, already, levi- I've already he's levied like le- <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm a not useful doctor. Uh, <laughs> I've already, I've already levied like 13 forms of judgment in my mind based on their response. I mean, it's so oh, horrible, yeah. but this is how we interact with one another. Is what do you do? And, yeah, then it's anyway, keep going. It's really interesting.
3: No, of course. and so that that's something that we're already kind of intrinsically in our society. Um, and I know I would find if I, especially if I was working at a job that I didn't think was worthy, and somebody's like, "What do you do?" And I'm just like, i I wish I wasn't a part of this conversation right now." <laughs> yeah, you know, um but what becomes very interesting is how far back and how ingrained this goes because when you sit down and you ask your child when they're young what do you want to be
0: hmm.
3: when you grow up the answer is a career i want to be a doctor i want to be Whoa. a ballerina because they already know that we're not asking them simply about being their they're just their their innate natural self we're asking what do you want to do and how is your doing going to, you know, identify you? Whereas, you know, if I think about then the difference between, you know, like what you would want, hoping at some point that we get to a place of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we can get, you know, children who say, I want to be compassionate. I want to be kind. I want to help people and not identify Themselves by what they do, and I think that comes into that being made in the image of God. That God was very particular in saying, "I am not a doer. I can do. I will do for you, but first and foremost, I am a be. Hmm. That I will be what you need me to be."
0: Well, and I think that speaks to part of our identity as as people as well as that. Then we aren't defined by what we do. We're defined by the the act of being which then i think uh, especially in christian circles there's so much definition of people as good or bad based on their actions or based on their doings but actually if we if we are created in the image of god then then we are defined by being just just the nature and the essence and the act of that and and if we believe that as beings created in the image of god that we are therefore intrinsically good that it means that just by the essence of being or just by the act of being we are good and and our actions don't necessarily change that at the core of who we are i think we can still do things that are not good but it doesn't like i think it doesn't take away from our intrinsic value as as people
3: i would agree i think in that it's it's a beautiful thing to see that the first thing that God gives um, for the man in the garden, the first experience is Sabbath rest. That it is not an introduction to here is what you do and here is your purpose in life. His first, like you know, he he is created. There is evening. There is morning. And then it is the Sabbath day. And it is the I want you to simply be.
1: I think what's uh, as I'm listening to you talk, and get a little goosebumpy on some of that, Holly, too, because I think what you're saying actually—I don't want to diminish what you said. I want to really like highlight what you said because I think it's actually, dare I say, a bit prophetic for how culture typically works. In in the contrast that you presented, because I think about as parents all the time and bandwidth and money and resources that are spent trying to help their children build a resume so that they can be something along the lines of the careers that we would all want or get into so much time. The question is, I mean, you hope your children would become compassionate or loving, but but the reality is I think if we took an honest inventory as a people group, as a country and and, in Western culture, the most amount of bandwidth that we spend is to try to get them to that place of being whether in terms of a career, like what do you do? And I just think what would it mean to be able to shepherd and and I know if, if my wife Hallie is listening that that was her concern all the way along was what kind of people are our children becoming and how do you shepherd towards that and so You could be a successful shepherd as a parent if you're helping your child become more compassionate, even if they don't have a well-paying job, dare I say, or get a scholarship in school or successful by all the odd metrics. So I think what you're saying doesn't come alongside of American culture. It is a complete sort of counter-cultural disruptive kind of message.
2: Exactly. You know, I was thinking, I want to be gruntled. Um, uh, I do too. You are
0: walking a very thin
1: line. (laughs) You're just speaking truth to power. We've already been over it. I love it. Yeah, this is my favorite. Uh,
2: But just to your exact point, you know, and and I love that Holly talked about the Sabbath, right? Uh, Right. That 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 is the very first thing that the Lord God invites for for people to experience. And you know, Jesus talking about He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus loves us simply as we be, Mm. not just for doing, not for a series of it, all the rules that are, you be, I love you. Right.
0: Which has so many implications for like the earning God's love or earning your way into heaven or
1: Deserving. all of that. No, yeah, it, it, sure. does, it does create space for the unconditional love that is like stake in the ground, full stop. Now we can talk about the things that we are doing in life and whether or not they're you know, wreaking havoc or bringing some pain and sorrow, but that still doesn't change the full stop stake in the ground of the unconditional love and the belovedness.
2: Exactly. And that's where I just, I love that whole being doing framework because to me, it's part of the verbness of the text. It's part of the verbness of who God is. And then I love, as you said a while ago, we are in made in the image and likeness of God that when God could use of any word possible, God chooses the word to be as the word to define God's self. Yeah. Indeed. Be. Indeed. And I, yeah. So,
1: um, so verby, anything else? I know we, we talked about just a little bit ago, maybe 15 minutes ago now, that there's a couple other categories. So understanding yeah. in the context that you have a blood oath that, you, <laughs> that you've that you given quite blood clearly. Blood oath. Blood oath that we can talk about these things. An on, eternal covenant. Indeed. In, mm-hmm. But just even just that idea that we'll be able to return to of everything that is verbi. And, and I think your dad once said it, that anytime you see what you think to be a noun in the Hebrew text, it's
2: actually, I think he said, it, a verb moving at glacial speed. Is that how he said it? So, so, I love what that. my dads, uh, favorite Hebrew teachers in seminary. I'm um, used to say in Biblical Hebrew, nouns are really just verbs in slow motion. That's right. That's, um, a, yes. that's what it is. And and, it, and it's and it's this idea where when we think about what's considered to be the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, in. English, most translations will have no fewer than 30,000 words, sometimes easily up to 60,000 words. In biblical Hebrew, it's roughly eight to 10,000 words. And that gets to the root-based structure of the Hebrew language. Um, it also gets to that a one word in Hebrew can have multiple meanings, sometimes mm-hmm. five, six, eight different meanings. And so it, it gets to be where this is so hard when we're talking about translation that, that Holly was speaking to way long ago, and sometimes the difficulties that lie for the translators and, and the, the what they are encountering as they're trying to translate, not just from one language, to another, but from a whole way of thinking to another. I mean, how to think in verbs and not in nouns. And and I'm not, and I'm not trying to say that it's better. It's just it is a different way of thinking thoughts. You know, even if we just look at the very first verse, you know, in the in beginning, in a beginning created God, we would say, and now we'll translate it in the blank or a beginning, God created. But actually the word to create precedes the subject so like it's just even from the very beginning of our bible it is a verbing text It is I, thinking, i can movement. Can't, i can't do
1: these bible studies anymore because they were three words in and it's a pretty big book noah and i already don't understand what's going <laughs> on like three words in
2: okay so just one more thing i don't know that i'll promise i'll stop on this um the word for beginning is the word rosh is the root okay um, which does mean beginning it also literally means head what so you could translate in the head of god created the heavens and the earth or in a head of God created the heavens and the earth. Or, you know, so and, and you talk about all different kinds of things. So just one, the, the word Rosh, which does mean beginning also literally uh, head.
1: Uh, well, for people who puzzle over getting bored in eternity, I have a feeling that the first like 10 gazillion years that I'm going to spend there is just going to be going through Genesis 1. So thank you very much. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> it's, yeah. But it's it's actually so inviting. It's it, And what I found along the way is that uh, this actually invited me to shift my the the very reality of my relationship with god from one of understanding to trust mm. is that when you start, if you, if you start and your relationship has to be about understanding, you're forever going to feel a little bit insecure about your relationship with God. But if you start with trust, then understanding becomes pursuit and worship and everything else from the basis of trust first, if
2: that makes any degree of sense. A million percent. So dad, just in a study last night, was saying we have a turn of phrase in English that will say an idea of like, I need, I need to be able to wrap my mind around this. Or I got to be right. able to wrap my mind around it. The picture of Moses on Sinai is he's in a cloud Okay, yes. He is actually enwrapped and engulfed, Fascinating. but it's not Moses wrapping his mind around God and the Torah and the Ten Commandments and the Torahs of the Tabernacle, but actually God enwrapping around Moses, you know, just in that wow. whole idea. So, you know, is it me knowing it all? Is it me having faith in being encircled and held? It's a great picture. Yeah. That is genuinely a great picture. Yeah. Well,
1: go ahead, yeah, Anna, should we return now to the Sorry. gradient of good? and no, no, this is that brilliant. Was so this is, this mean, is...
0: That was on our bucket list of things that I hoped that we would get to, oh. so I'm really glad that we did. Oh, great. Um, but yeah, back to Toe. toe. So, yeah.
1: And this yeah. is where we can get into a little bit more of the good and evil. So maybe this is the last concept that will break open...
0: That's wherever a lie. this goes, we have so many other things that we were. going to I know, talk but about. I'm just saying,
1: we're already you know a little over an hour into the episode, and knowing we can return to to some of these things, but I'm wondering if we shouldn't stay within
2: the good evil gradient, and then good and Tove in particular uh, in that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: So it, it's where this gets to be, um, as Holly talked about. Um, so he, I'm just going to very literally translate verse four. So here's verse four. And he saw God the light that it is good. And he is separating God between the light and between the darkness. So that's quite literally, as Holly was saying, that's literally how to translate verse 4. God saw the light, that it was good, and God is separating between the light and between the darkness. Meaning it's not just, right, as she said, that there's light. One or the other? Right, one or the other. That there's between the light and between the darkness. And this word that they're translating between is the word bane. Um... And bain, which does mean between, also literally in between, also in the space between, it also, the the thought is also the root of the word bina, it's just vowel differently in the Hebrew, which can also mean to discern and to distinguish. Hmm. So God is discerning, distinguishing between, in between, in the space between the light, and discerning, distinguishing between, in between, in the space between the darkness. Hmm. And in that sense, it's not strictly here's light and here's dark, and it's, the light
0: is good and the dark is not.
2: <laughs> it's because we'll literally even have language surrounding um, some of, of, of forms or forces of, of not good, and we'll say things like uh, "that's the shiny one." Hmm. Well, that sounds like a light kind of picture, but that isn't necessarily. And so, how, how do we hold that? You know, the, the, yeah. that's where this gets to be several degrees. More complicated and and I think uh, dimensional, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but quite literally between, in between, in the space between, discern, distinguish light. In between, in between, in the space between, discern, distinguish darkness. Because that word bane literally has all of that just kind of in it. And and just what Holly was pointing to in the One Kings three passage with Solomon, where we'll say Solomon asked for wisdom in One Kings three verse nine. Solomon will literally say, "Give your servant a well." We'll just say a discerning mind, or whatever it says, um, uh, and then he'll say um, to discern between good and evil. But as Holly said, it's actually good to evil, and it is the word bane twice to discern between hmm. good to evil. It's tov lura. Now that's Solomon saying that. Now one could argue, you know. It's Solomon's perspective, yada, yada, yada. But just to say that, that that that's what Solomon is saying, that he is articulating, you know, as I said, a spectrum here, which you could also on one level see in, in day one of creation, right? Mm-hmm. And so in this idea of discerning between, so you could literally say, because it's bane uvein uh, tov Lerah in the 1 Kings 3 verse 9. And so literally you could translate as um, Solomon asking, to discern between, in between, in the space between distinguish and discern, distinguish between, in between, in the space between light to darkness. It, I know that is a jumbled <laughs> mouthful that is utterly It feels like, be- th- like you're just saying a Beatles song. I'm not entirely
1: sure, but <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where that was.
2: And, and so that's where that idea of it's not so simple. And Solomon seems to be understanding this reality very deeply as king. It, it's not so easy as the choices are 100% good, or we'll say tov you know, um, in Hebrew, good in English, or ra, evil, the evil of the Hebrew word um, ra. And so, er, and that's where this gets to be so complicated. And as you talked about, okay, what might this look like in real life? Right. That's the next part of 1 Kings 3. The second part of the passage is really on one level, a whole another chapter, which is two prostitutes come before the king. One has just lost their child. The other is afraid she's about to lose her child. And it'd be very easy to say, well, both of these people professionally, what they do, they're what? Well, they'd be raw, evil, wrong, dark. Exactly. And therefore, they should exist where? Not there. Thank you. And certainly not before (laughs) the The king, King. right? Okay, it doesn't sound anything like Jesus or anything. Um, (laughs) For sure not. And, you know, here we go. And, and, And it's real life. Does anyone, when they're a child, grow up dreaming that one day they will... Be a prostitute. Thank you. I yes, no. I don't think that
1: that's what most people grow up thinking. sometimes. <laughs> I like the
0: pause between yes and
1: no. There. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I was just living in the space between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you there go. You Thank go. It, just Yeah, yeah. in this. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh,
2: and so just that idea of oh, there's generally I don't, oftentimes not infrequently, there's things that happen to, in someone's life along the way, incredibly difficult, horrible choices that are presented before someone that ends up with someone in that line of work. Right. It is rarely something that one aspires to or, or dreams of becoming or doing, right? Okay, so they're there and then they're there and they're both pregnant and one of these women just lost. Her child. Right? Meaning this is a person who is in incredible...
0: Grief and pain.
2: Okay. And this other woman is
0: kind of preemptively in that grief and pain because she is facing that as well.
2: So are they tovera. Yes, right? And so this yes. is this is what Solomon is staring down. How on earth do I govern this people when I can't just say yeah, everything you're doing is right or like it, it, it is so much more layered and hard and difficult and how do I love and have compassion for both of these people? Who are are doing things that highly doubtful they would love to be doing, and, and how do I actually lead this community?
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: it goes back to what you just said, Anna, a little bit. That I just as a side question, Noah and Holly, even in light of what you were asking earlier, just like how quick I am to critique people after they say something that they do or whatever, and and where I'm going with this is. When you're talking, Noah, I was sitting here thinking, is it possible to have eyes to see in this world that doesn't um, do away with or deny that there are difficult, evil, hard things in this world, but doesn't ever go to that place where then you say the person themselves is evil. That if we all come from God's hand as the beloved, uh, and you, you just laid it out with these prostitutes, I mean, clearly they're, gonna, they're, they're living in the kind of circumstances now that would be inconsistent with the shalom of kingdom life in terms of what we are looking for, but neither one of them then as a result of that were down to the core intrinsically evil. They're a set of circumstances. Like, like I could just think of all of us now and suddenly the ground is level for all of us in terms of we're all some version. We all come from the hand of God. Good. I fully believe that down to my core. And then we're all living in some version of this sort of thing, but could we then therefore have compassion and grace and patience and a forbearing spirit with one another, knowing that the things that are difficult in this world, that we don't just dismiss people that are walking in them. Does that make any degree of sense at all in terms of how we see one another instead of dismissing so easily and shouting at and then being all sanctified and holy as a result of it? Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I saw that often in uh, churches puzzling through these kinds of things. There were certain things that you just said, that you really dismiss the person along with whatever was going on. I don't know if you saw some of that too in pastoral ministry.
3: I, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: It's
3: unfortunately common, Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Very, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Very dear pastor friend in this exact river of conversation, he was sharing with me one time about how Sometimes he really lacks grace and compassion and forgiveness towards people. You're, wait, you're telling things. my
1: story? You just... No, no, different, different <laughs> pastor. Friend. Okay, right, different pastor. Right. Uh,
2: that's fair. You just outed yourself
1: there. I yeah. did, I did. Okay, well, shoot, Actually no. genuinely. that was a mistake. Oh. Edit that out. Nope,
0: that's staying in there. <laughs>
2: and, and he was remarking about how there's times, and we, it was it was a takeaway from a study. And he was saying, "Great, I, sometimes I lack." grace and compassion and forgiveness. And he was thinking of particularly of one person in his life, but other people he was saying as well, particularly one person. And he said, and I'm lacking that because I don't forgive myself because I used to think that way. Wow. And that's why I'm struggling to forgive and have grace and compassion for that person because that's me. And I don't forgive myself for when I thought that. And that's why I'm really angry with them right now. That's uh, (laughs) what a
1: statement. That there must have been a pretty sort of rich pause in the room when somebody says something like that.
2: The whole room just went. Yeah, I thank you, Lord. He went last (laughs) 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 because the whole room was just like, and there's the study. Okay, and And we're done. (laughs) And it was just the the weight, like you said, just everything. The 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 presence of God was so vibrating in that moment. It was just like um. And so that that piece is what I, you know, on some. And I'm not saying it's every time. I don't want to make it a rule. How often I am really struggling with with grace and compassion and forgiveness, and it's me. Mm-hmm. That that's the person I haven't forgiven for sure.
1: That's for sure. And it doesn't it doesn't mean we don't put boundaries around things that clearly mm-hmm. are wreaking havoc relationally or mm-hmm. in this world. This isn't then just this is the kumbaya and everything's fine everywhere we go. But I think the approach that we take with one another. In light of those things, really, then does matter. And boy, I think so often I have I have felt dismissed and not. I, I don't feel comfortable bringing my own junk to the table when I don't feel like I'm on a verby journey with somebody else who is approaching me within
2: the gradient reality of of good and evil. Okay, and thank you for saying that because I think we so often sometimes get really hooked on ideas of like we always need to reconcile now. We mm-hmm. always need to have the kumbaya moment now. And we'll quote verses, and I don't mean to cherry pick here, but like, okay, Ecclesiastes 3, a time for every season under heaven. And we love the peace ones, but do we actually want to hold a time for embracing and a time for not embracing? A time for planting, a time for uprooting that which has been planted. And I think there's certain ones of those that we're really comfortable with and we're really comfortable pursuing. But as you talked about the need for boundaries, you know, there are certain times when if there's not a boundary here, one is going to get utterly obliterated and, and that's not appropriate. Mm. And, or, or, and so I think especially in, in certain, um, it could be faith, it could be secular context where it's just like, we always need to pursue with reconciliation now. And it's like, it's, sometimes reconciliation takes decades. I think mm. about Joseph and the brothers, It's going to be decades until they really reconcile in Genesis 50 from when Israel first sent off Joseph to see to the shalom peace of his brothers and shalom peace of their flocks and to bring him backward in Genesis 37. It's going to be well over three decades later that that moment happens in Genesis 50. So the idea of I need to be going every single day and we're all going to hug and kiss it out now because that's what it means to be (laughs) a faithful person loving God. Sometimes there is the need to say, Oh, if it's not right now, okay, can I still be open to it? Might be someday, might not be today. Hmm. And, and yeah. how you've to had to walk,
1: Yeah, and Anna, I mean, you've had some of these kinds of situations in your own life, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yep, for sure. Is there any uh, that
1: yeah you want to walk us through? I was going to say
0: probably not any that I can, like, share to sure. a large faceless group of people who are <laughs> listening to this podcast because <laughs> they're fair. all deeply personal stories. but but uh, But, yeah. For sure.
2: Can I share one, please? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so because because um, I was with a, a family, very dear family, and um, well, it was just a conversation uh, surrounding setting boundaries, and and there was this whole idea about there can't you know do you ever set boundaries? And I said, oh, of course I do, absolutely. I was like, if I'm going to be put in a situation where I'm going to be maligned and mistreated, I won't have contact. I, I I will I will I will cut that. Like I I will pursue and I will try. And if there comes a point where I'm just going to keep not being treated well, mm-hmm. okay. And and if and if there is if there is a repentance, if there is a turn, and there is a desire to really have that, okay, I'm open to that conversation. But until I see anything of that, uh, boundaries are necessary, I, I think in life. And and so I just I think the idea. And it might be temporal. It might be a few months as needed that there just needs to be space, there needs to not be contact, and it might be six months, it might be 28 years. Who knows what the time frame is? I don't want to make it like here, here's a mathematical formula for how it works, but sometimes we really need to take space and, and let God work in that in, in every party involved. Um, but I know personally there's been times when it's, oh, no, if I'm going to be treated a certain way, I'm I'm not going to stick around for that. And, and if someone wants to really apologize, I'm totally open to the conversation. Mm. I, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely but to maybe bring us a little bit back to what we said we were going to be talking about <laughs> i just we keep using tov and ra and yes. shalom and sacred future and all of that but we haven't actually defined any of those really at any sort of capacity yet we should put that at the beginning we maybe should because we're almost an hour and 40 minutes into this <laughs> cool so let's 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 maybe
1: you yeah, to just pick one or what do, how do you want to tov yeah yeah perfect
0: And and what exactly does that mean or hold implications for?
2: Yes. Uh, Tov. So, um, tov, a Hebrew word for good like T-O-V, we'll say in English. And the word tov, um, one of the things that's helpful whenever looking at any word in the Bible is to look at the very first usage of a word or very early usages of that word to see the original context that a word will get used in, which can also have to set forth a trajectory for how that word will move throughout the text. And the third usage of the word tov really helps to lay just a beautiful framework for how the word is thinking in the days of creation. So this will be Genesis chapter one, um, roughly verses 11 and 12. Um, so I'll just read it here. Um, but Genesis 1 11 and 12. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, seed bearing plants, fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, seed bearing plants of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that this was good. Not trying to be a trick question. Where
0: are
2: <laughs> <laughs> legit? Um, where are the seeds at the end of verse eleven?
0: Verse eleven.
2: At the end of verse eleven, where are the seeds?
0: You're pointing at the ground. Very good. Yeah. The... <laughs> it's slightly less of a trick question.
2: That's super helpful.
0: Quite literally, show me the answer. i was pointing
2: at the carpet. We're we're in a carpeted space. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. That's why cup. I didn't <laughs>
0: believe you that it wasn't a trick question.
2: <laughs> so right, it's in the earth. Yeah. Um, in the ground. And
0: in the darkness. Oh. Hmm. Anyways, sorry. interesting how
2: that works. Um, uh, <laughs> and right, and, and this idea. So this is uh, this is uh, my father's not so handy dandy definition for this word "tov" in Hebrew, good in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this it's is. It's a, a little definition. like
0: my dad's definition of the church.
2: Oh. Where it like yeah.
0: it changes every time, and it usually takes him about two minutes to say it. Watch that like, This isn't something we have, that we have the button. Wait, we, do we have, have the button. A button. Here's Let's the definition of the church right
1: here. The church is the people of God following Jesus and dwelt by the Spirit to shine the light of the now-and-coming kingdom into a broken and lost world so that all of God's beautiful imagers might be brought safely home. Yeah. That's the button. That's the button. That's the that's church. The that's, that's the button. That's, that's the my button. dad's yeah.
0: definition of the church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the church so isn't a building sign. Not, Not super handy. It's people. Yeah.
2: It's people. Can you imagine yeah. trying to put that
0: on a
1: billboard?
2: I mean, that's that's literally... Cahal, gathered ones, kohelit, ecclesiastes, well, see, ecclesia. He did that's that. True. He did that like a thousand times better. Yeah. No, I didn't. Then I did right there. Yeah, no, the gathered you ones. Okay. You're right though. That,
1: yeah, that's, it's that's, exactly. It's the gathered ones. Yep, 100%. It's the gathered ones. Like
2: it's you, a million. It's the yeah. Israelites in the wilderness when they refer themselves to the kahal of the Lord in Numbers chapter twenty. They, they, they yeah, yeah. The, it's it's
1: the, why you can't go to church. You can't attend church. You you gather talk. with the church. Okay, back to talk. sorry. <laughs> we can focused.
2: No, we can't. No, you can't.
0: It was a bad idea to put the two of you in a room together.
2: And then looking at each other. I mean, when you see that light, yeah. I, it just—it's—it's just, compelling. I can put like
0: a curtain up, like a <laughs> blanket over a parrot cage.
3: You just have to be yeah, like Moses. You just have to the, cover the, yeah, the veil,
0: you, of face. Too that much. That
1: no, it's I know. With, with my night. bald <laughs> head, a lot of times people think it's the glare from the light on my bald head. It's just sort of it it it's, it's 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 what's called Shekinah, as well as you well know. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I mean, even if you put blackout curtains, no, still it wouldn't work, work. work. It wouldn't work. You there's can't. You no, can't stop no that. I could build him a
0: cubicle over there. Can't stop the radiance of the Lord. Not
2: so. Here we go. The not so handy dandy definition for this word tov in Hebrew, good, will say in English, that Doug came up with many years ago. The actualization of the potential for life, embedded in the creation by God, when the creation brings it forth, with the seeds of future life in it.
1: Holly I actually really, had yeah. words like, "I want to see this again." We should Can have really I streamed this you doing that because at you, some point? yes, Please, you had wonderful hand gestures for this.
3: If I may, the hand gestures I used are hand gestures that would have originated with Alan yeah. Passed on to Noah, I see. and then through me, having seen
2: the that actualization of the potential for life uh. embedded in the creation. <laughs> this is really funny to watch. God, when the creation brings it forth, with the seeds of future life in it.
1: Brilliant.
0: That's amazing. So, I love
1: it. so at, uh, maybe an example of this. Halley always uses it is that of an apple seed. Mm-hmm. Is the, I'm assuming it's been used maybe I like in your peppers, studies? Because there are
0: more seeds in peppers.
1: Yeah. So, if for an apple seed, why just a seed in general? What, could you take us into how Tove works in light of this definition, with maybe the analogy of a seed? Could you? I would love to hear what what your wife says. Well, it, <laughs> I can do it. If yes. are you doing the Socratic thing with me when I ask you a question, you ask me a question. You do it, Anna. Yes.
0: Okay. So, mom's example, and and growing up, I was homeschooled and is always very, very hands-on learning. She's a big fan of, like, go get messy, figure it out, like, elbows deep, get into it. What's going on here? And so uh, she, for me, did it with a, a, a pepper where she broke it in half and she was like, okay, what do you see in there? And it, and it was seeds, lots of seeds. Um, and, and so I would say that as my little, like, 11-year-old self. And she was like, okay, but what is each of those seeds going to become? if you care for them and and tend them and I was like another pepper plant and she was like okay yep and that is going to have more peppers which is going to have more seeds which is going to make more pepper plants and so it is kind of this like ever unfolding like potential for life and future that will always be expanding and 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 my little 11 year old brain was a little like freaked out about that but i like having lived now in that concept for about 10 years like the idea that everything has kind of this ever unfolding potential for the expansion of life and future is is how i tend to think about tove
3: permission to be a tree go yeah. for it oh
0: i'm excited what does this mean
3: um I regret that this is not visual because it can be visual. No, I, no, unless Noah wants to be the tree example. Which I love it. Just you
2: be, your phone, phone,
3: and
0: I'll
3: yeah. be the tree.
2: Noah, be the tree. Please be the tree. Oh yeah, let's tag team oh, this. Oh okay. Oh this yes. So this is this is what it means to be married, um, and to be with you as your Ezer connecto
0: You are being then
2: recorded sure. right now. I love this. Okay, let's oh, have no, it. Then. I'm so. Just, this is what will go up on Instagram.
3: If you'd like to be a tree, in that general direction, please, because I. All right. So. Noah,
1: (laughs) this is amazing,
3: is a tree. Now, within Noah are seeds. Now, simply by having those seeds, is that Tov? Mm, No. No. All right. So let's say Noah (laughs) Noah takes these (laughs) seeds. It's like the giving
0: tree. The tree is giving me instructions right now. Go
3: ahead. (laughs) So Noah takes these seeds and he casts them out onto the earth. And let's say it's, you know, we're in the Midwest here. So let's say it's uh, it's late March, early April. So ground is still a little frozen, still a little not forgiving, a little chilly. <laughs> um, and the seeds hit the ground and they die. Is that oh. Tove? No. 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 So we try again. So it's a little bit warmer. It's a little bit more springtime. Um, and we've got some more seeds and we're we're casting those seeds out onto the ground. And let's Beautiful. say... They hit the earth, and it's, it's the perfect time. The soil is great. The rain comes down, and we see a new tree sprouts forward. Oh. Is that Tove? Yes. Okay. And so let's say we continue in that sense where we're casting those seeds out, the ones that are given within us. And we're casting them out, and, and it happens again. It's a great, great time of year. A new tree uh, emerges, and we can see... Stepping forward, a new tree, Tove. Mm-hmm. But what's beautiful about the idea of Tove is that not only are we able to see sort of these trees that continue to go forward, but if you turn and look behind you, you can see <laughs> all of the trees going back, yeah. and all of that Tove that you've left behind yeah. in that space, wow. and so. The idea of simply in the tove that lies within us and what we see um with these plants is it's not it's not tove yet when the seeds are simply within the plant or when the seeds are simply within the earth, but it's the idea that they would bear fruit that would also have the seed within it. It's that continuing element of continual life that goes forward., yeah. well, so I-, I
0: would just encourage that. Uh,
1: I I will put that video up on our Instagram. That was sort of like a South out. American salsa dance. That was a lot. Was the, the Hebrew illustration. The of it was winter. brilliant. So yes. I will
0: put that video up, but I will say to anybody listening, please do go watch the video while listening to that explanation. It was super it, it, helpful. That was really cool.
1: Yeah, that was super helpful. But it also speaks, uh, it ties right back into what we talked about earlier, just the verbiness of something. So so good has a quality about it, of course, but we tend to think of good as this static sort of that's what it is versus this unfolding that you guys are so beautiful, beautifully represented. And, and for me, again, that was a mind boggling idea. Because then when something is good, it, it's not just in the biological realm, it continues to take a life with it and, and, and it continues to plant seeds relationally, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally.
2: Well, that's exactly what I was thinking about which you were just saying, which is, as you said, breaking out of it strictly being a biological life, no life conversation. You know, it, I want to suggest embedded within each and every person on this planet, God has placed seeds. Mm. All kinds love of that. seeds, right? And and we could say things like the fruits of the Spirit, right? There's all different kinds of seeds, all different abilities, all different things that the Lord has embedded within each and every person. All of us. And I think sometimes, well, it gets into a whole other, this would probably be a more of a theological thing, but just, um, just I don't know... I, there are people who maybe would articulate no relationship with God. It doesn't mean that God hasn't placed seeds within them, and it doesn't mean they're not bringing them forth, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. speaks to right. how we can see elements of God in others, even if they would profess no faith or, or a faith that maybe looks very... so. Just, but anyways, that's a whole other conversation. But just the Lord has embedded seeds in every single person, I think, and bringing those forth. And what does it look like to bring those forth? Um, yeah.
3: And what does it look like to have... Um, the ability to sit within the tension of in those tove seeds, the responsibility of bringing them forth, of not, you know, if we think about the parable of the talents, and what what do we do when we don't bring forth that tove, but rather just bury it? Yeah. Um, but the responsibility to bring forth the tove and hold the tension of not having control of what happens when we cast those seeds, and what happens when that fruit gets born.
2: Mm. I'm thinking about that as you're a teacher, as you're a professor, right? You you have a seed the Lord has put within you to teach, right? That that is clearly a seed. Now, what your students do with that? No control over that. How they're going to think about the things you're even teaching, right? You know, right. And who knows? Who knows what they might take as a seed of something you've said, but they might have a completely different framework on who God is. But you've absolutely encouraged them in your teaching, and then they're off espousing other things that maybe you would say, "Oh, I don't. I think I fundamentally disagree with that." Yeah. On one level, you know, it's, it's just, and, and yet that's doesn't mean it's not your Tove or a seed that the Lord has put within you. That, that I mean, it's God's Tove and.
1: Well, and you think about the mutuality or at least the mutual respect that is required to live that kind of life, because I think almost in every context in which I find myself, whether it's in the business or in teaching, et cetera, as a parent, you are almost, I don't know if we're subtly taught in our culture in our country, that you should be the person who's controlling the environment and the situation and the outcomes. And then you're almost looking to bring other people in to serve the purposes of your outcomes that you want to see happen. And hardly ever do I find myself, but I have found myself in it, but rarely do I find myself in the kind of context where there's, there's a mutuality of respect where it is, you know what, we all have this Tove inside of us. And we all need to be bringing it to the table with and for one another in respect and in trust versus trying to constrain and control the outcomes of other people is so, it's just how we live. And we live in these sort of transactions that as long as you are doing what I think you should do, you're going to get your paycheck or you're, you're going to be able to have a relationship or whatever it looks like. It, it just, it's, it's all over the place.
2: So just an example of seeing, as you talked about, and as all I was saying about uh, not controlling the outcomes, which I think is so much how we think about Tov, of wanting to see this is what the fruit will look like. This right. is what I want to see. Exodus chapter two, right? In Exodus chapter two, it's this stunning passage where, I mean, it would be a whole study. And and so forgive me for not going further into it, but in Exodus chapter two, um, so it'll say uh, this is Exodus two verses, uh, let's say one and two, well, one through three. A certain man of the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw how beautiful he was, she hid him for three months. When she, could no, when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket for him and cocked it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child into it and placed it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile. Okay, so I know in that translation that I just read, it said in Exodus 2, 1 through 3, in verse 2, it said, um, she saw how beautiful he was which is such a bummer. Um, What the Hebrew actually says is, and literally, um, and she saw that he is good. And it's literally the exact same language, exact same phrasing as where.
1: Right in the beginning.
0: God seeing that the light was
1: good. Yeah. Is is this not the next person who sees
2: that something is Tov? The very first person who is described as seeing in this way as God saw in the days of creation is right here. It's Moses' mother. Exactly. Amazing. An
0: unnamed woman who was a slave in Egypt.
2: Unnamed slave woman. First person who is described as seeing like God when God, as God saw in the days of creation, and God saw that it was good, and she saw that he is good. Are you saying that I wasted all of my time
1: with my graduate letters and nineteen years of school and all this time? I like I I only say that tongue in cheek. I think that's what I love about scriptures. I think about all the people that we've elevated as being reliable voices of authority are tend to be the ones that have the fancy letters and all of and all of that. And here we are, what what a confrontation of that assumption in this world. And it doesn't mean that people that have that kind no. of background can't see. But the but the point of it is that the source of how to see in these ways is not the fancy letters. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I love
2: that. <laughs> Amen. And, and as you said, it doesn't mean it can't. And right here is. An unnamed slave woman. First Love person that. who's described as seeing like God as God saw in the days of creation. And it's stunning. And she sees that he is good. And there comes a point when she sees that he is Tove, and she realizes, I'm going to have to do what with him? I have to hide him. And then? Let him go. <sighs> mm. What is the thing that I don't want to do?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she gives him up and she actually... With what we were talking about with Tohu Vavohu and the waters and the whole thing is she puts him in this little basket and and she can see that he is Tov, which also has implications for that sacred future, for those seeds that are coming forth with the Israelites who are currently in, a, uh, in captivity. And, and so she puts that Tov and that hope and that sacred future in this little basket and then puts it in the water.
2: Okay. And, and she is stunning. And she, this woman is is, is remarkable <clears throat> in the text here in Exodus too. because to your point, and when it says she, she put him in a basket, it'll actually say she made an ark. I know it'll yep. say basket in the English, but literally the word in Hebrew is the word teva. And, and it's the exact same word for ark that's used in the Noah passage. Mm-hmm. And so she's literally, and if we think about the Noah passage, the ark is preserving the seeds of the sacred future. In the midst of death and destruction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Nile is being used to drown all of the Hebrew baby boys, as decreed by Pharaoh, or supposed to be, um, as decreed by Pharaoh. So there's just death and destruction run everywhere. It is utter chaos, as you said, a la Days of Creation, um, and the Flood, and here. And yet, here is an ark with the seed of future life in it that's going yeah. on the waters.
0: In the middle of a place of such like death and horror.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think
1: we could carry on, but we I think could. now, I think now would be a good time to maybe just make some some final comments uh, about this. I I just again am struck by how helpful it is to to be uh, into the text in this kind of way, and uh, and there's just. I, Holly, there is so much in my background in pastoral ministry of making the text apply. and and so the, there would be these ten question Bible studies that we'd have to do, And it always felt like I, I I'm supposed to apply this somehow, but I don't really know how. But when we're starting to talk about goodness and light and darkness and future and letting go all of this is where, for people who have thought the Bible maybe is irrelevant somehow, it takes on an entirely different, I don't know how it is for you. The contrast for me is just genuinely stunning between many years of my church ministry and and what this can be like. I don't know if that's a similar background for you and maybe say more about that.
3: Yeah, no, I, it has been an absolutely fascinating and freeing experience and at times absolutely terrifying. Right. If I'm being perfectly honest. Right. Um, but truly to see just the, even in the language, what I think is such a beautiful thing of, you know, the Lord, as he's choosing the language with which to write, chooses one where one word has five different meanings, you know, Um, and, and just instead of finding sort of a very restrictive box of applying a passage that may seem Utterly irrelevant in today's life, and saying, "Well, somehow I have to fit that into what my life is," and (laughs) and recognizing that, like, it is much more real life in that and those gray areas, that light to darkness, all of that is. It is a much more expansive world to exist in, and I know earlier we um, used the word uh, deconstructing, Um, and for myself, I at first I think had referred to it as as that I was deconstructing, but it gets that negative connotation. And and the thing is, is that I haven't lost my faith in the Lord. I haven't lost my faith in his word, Um, but I'm more reconstructing. That I, I was given bones and told that they had to be, you know, the bones of a house and told that they had to be organized in a specific way, that this is how you take this piece of verse and here are your 10 questions and how do you wedge it into those 10 questions um, and now I'm I'm looking at these different these these, you know, two by fours, these bones and saying, Oh, I think I think that there are many ways to build this house, you know. And so it's been, yeah, very much more of an expansion that mm-hmm. is both exciting and incredibly terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's been most helpful for me along the way, and I'm not sure how it is for you too, Anna, but it's just right in that what you just described so well is that I think some people they hear a certain teaching from scripture and then they assume that is what scripture is saying and so then they reject scripture and they reject the maybe the sort of the authoritative invitation of life. And I don't mean heavy handed. I just mean this beautiful, like this is worth listening to. And I, I usually try to I know it was helpful for me and I think increasingly for people, well The scripture can still be God breathed and beautiful and lovely and filled with all of what we wanted. We were hoping it would be filled, but it was just maybe the interpretations and the ways that it was handed down to us. Like we can set that aside to create a different space, to allow scripture to be what it is, to distinguish the difference between interpretation and in scripture itself gives an entirely different invitation, I think.
2: And, and I love as you said that because I think there's so many ways to understand a passage. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most unhelpful ways of thinking about things is there's one way to understand this. There's yeah. one framework through which to see this. I am certain that there are certain ways I'm thinking about things that are utterly off base. I don't know what they are. Yeah, me too. Today. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. And I'm, I have no doubt that I'm gonna look back at certain things that I thought and maybe even taught 10 or 15 years and go, I don't know that I agree <laughs> with that now. <laughs> and, yep. and, you yeah. know, and can I have the humility in that space to go, I'm, I I might've, or I really was off and, and I was wrong. And, and and one of the things that I, for so long did I would say, am I correctable? You know, will I be correctable when I can see that I've gone off? Because I think we're, we're so oriented to like, it needs to be right. And like a way that is utterly perfect. And if that's how it's got to be, no one's going to ever take a first step out to start to teach. Right. And, and so can can I, can we try things? Can we adjust? Can we go, oh, maybe that's not it. Or maybe I'm missing a piece of this. Or maybe there's a whole other way of thinking about this that I've never thought about, be it because of whatever the myriad of things that make me me. I haven't seen this from the perspective of a woman or from uh, someone in a very different community or someone who comes from a different part of the world. And and that could lend an utterly different insight to something. <laughs> and, and can I can I detach from there's only one way to think about this or only one thing this could be saying? And there that, is
0: a right answer uh, here. Yeah.
2: I, I'm sure there's things we, i probably even said on this podcast that at some point I'm going to look back and go, oh, yeah. I wish that wasn't recorded.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for, for I think about that and a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and I, sometimes people have listened to Deeper Magic and they said they, they may say things along the lines of confusing the fact that you don't want to participate in some of these other institutional settings with that you're not interested in faith. Yeah, but you this you come to life in these kind of settings. So yeah, you you ha- you have do. absolutely talked so often about um this when we're so careful not to pile on institutional settings because it's filled with people who are the lovely image bearers that are good like that's what we've talked about all along, but I think we do then in fairness have an invitation to think differently. About how, how we can engage with all of this material. So, for people who would say, Oh, Anna is just this mealy mouth spiritual blah, blah, blah kind of thing. And I'm, nobody's ever said that. I feel like that. I'm
0: getting a glimpse into right what now, my I father know. actually thinks about I me know, because saying... nobody has actually said that to me. <laughs> this, so, I think I'm getting like a window.
1: This is not me. This would uh-huh. be a potential object because I He's know you. It
0: me a mealy mouth.
1: Well, no, people might say Anna is people. just, yeah, people, 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 people out there. Yeah. Uh, I I will say, how about I say it this way? I know for sure the critique of your generation is a hundred percent that you are just wanting to do your own thing and it's all about you and you don't want to like just live within the structures and authorities. And basically your generation has said baloney. I I don't want any part of that version of this anymore. Um, I need something different. And I've so for anybody that would have objections within your generation, this isn't about trying to cram them back into a pre-existing system. No. This is maybe a different kind of invitation about how to study.
0: Well, and it's actually more of an invitation about, like, yes, not only the institution that you grew up in might be far more expansive or freeing, like you said, Holly, than than what we originally thought, but also even that the way that, like, hmm, what am I trying to say? Having left a lot of the institutions of the church every time that I dig into the text in this way, the way that I am currently living my life, which feels like freedom, quote unquote, in comparison to the institution of the church, becomes more free every time that I dig into the text this way. And so I'm aware of the fact that even though I'm technically living outside of an institutional structure, I'm still living in a mental, psychological, social structure that I have kind of built around myself. And every time that I Engage in my faith in this way, or connect with God in whatever way that looks like for me, those structures expand and and become more freeing in a lot of ways.
2: It makes me think of a turn of phrase that I've heard my <clears throat> father use. Um, and not in a in, in a in a necessarily a really critical sense, but just one generation's active move of the Holy Spirit can be the next generation's inspired liturgy. Can be the next generation's dead ritual. Yes, I've heard yeah. that. Same that's a beautiful way to say it. And it's not, it's not to say it it, it sometimes it can be a lot more time. Sometimes it's not, it's not a rule. Sometimes things go in cycles, but just the idea of, well, it was done this way for however many hundreds of years. So therefore it's gotta be done that exact same way. The way that people have been walking out faith has changed dramatically, let alone over different parts of the world, is not the same in the notion that there's only one way in that regard of like that God can move in a communal context or has to take this form in this building
1: in this way. And that's why I just can't pile on in the way that some people do past institutional settings because I know God had authentic moves within these places. And I think that's what we so often run into is then people idolize the way or the manner in which it moved, God moved, and then it turns into something different. But yet at the same time, many people's lives have been altered through vehicles and mechanisms that are unfamiliar or not comfortable for me now but it really was for them and then
2: uh, and then God just has a way of renewing some things so i love you said we we, we can all, oh, before, mm, mm, we can almost turn at times the way god moves into an idol yeah into oh, a for sure we have god talked
0: idol. a lot about that yep. and it, and, for
2: it sure we does, have. and it didn't mean that god didn't move no that of course way. yes right and mm-hmm. that that was at all what it was what it was
1: yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah. Well, you guys are, this has been just uh, a delight to be with all of you. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting, and, and we'll maybe cut this part out. I'm guessing we could actually chop this one up into two episodes it would be absolutely ideal. Uh, the first part we'll of the second we see how we're part. feeling. See how we're feeling. <laughs> um, but you guys are great. Uh, we appreciate um, the blood that was spilled for the promises that you'll come back. Uh, at some point in time.
0: Polly, you're not bound by anything. Yeah. <laughs> you responded wisely
1: to
3: that. I know
1: better. <laughs> yeah right. So, Anna, you want to sign us out of this episode of The Deeper Magic?
0: Uh, Sure. Thank you guys for, for being here. I'm Anna. This is my father, Peter. Say so bye, Peter. Bye, Peter. And this has been The Deeper Magic. Thanks, guys. Bye. Magic is produced by Audio on the Rocks and our music for this episode is Auroras of Saturn by Music L Files. You can head on over to filmmusic.io and find that there. All licensed under Creative Commons 4.0. Viewable on the site as well.